Hello and welcome dreamers to another episode of the Dreamcast Years podcast. This is our OG show where we cover the golden years of gaming and this episode covers the year 2006 and there's a lot to cover. Uh, Before we go any further though let me introduce you to everyone joining me this time. So first off we've got fan of stealth, international man of mystery and player of games Steve. How are you? Hello I'm very good how are you? International man of mystery? What? What? I don't know where I was going. I was going like the hitman. How did you know that? Agent I'm going to have to kill all of you now and delete That's this. True. Hmm. Damn it. Blown you cover. <laughs> Blown you cover. I'm so sorry. I'm good though. Thanks, Steve. I'm good. good. <laughs> Looking forward to not being killed. Uh, that would be nice. Okay. We'll see how long that lasts. We will. Um, secondly, moving swiftly on from that, um, please welcome a man currently in the midst of a very real Yakuza addiction. I'm pretty sure he's not alone though. Uh, it's Rich. How's it going? Yeah, it's not bad. Um, yeah, I'm very much deeply bedded in Yakuza and Camarocha at the moment. Uh, living, living and breathing it, actually. It's uh, kind of taken over my life. Yeah, literally. literally, because you are in Camarocha right now. I wish. Right? I, yeah, but my Skype <laughs> background would say yes, but unfortunately, real life would say no. Um, right. But I love Yakuza, and that's pretty much just that's my existence at the moment. So, <laughs> yeah. Fair enough, fair enough. I mean, you know, it seems really good. I need to get the time to play that. But from what Steve was saying, it would take me like, what, hundreds of hours to catch up? They are fairly long games. Yes, they are Mm. fairly long games. Mm. Honestly, count yourself lucky I've actually even shown up for the recording. Um, I should be playing right now, but it's all right. Thanks, Rich. (laughs) That's all right. Thanks very much. (laughs) Um, Our guest this time is a regular of the Dreamcast Junkyard podcast, The Dream Pod, uh, as well as a contributor to the blog with articles such as his piece on mystery title Real Racer IX. Uh, He also runs geek geek publication Altmag and is just an all-around lovely guy. It's Lewis Cox. How the devil are you? Hello, yes, I am very good, despite the monotone. I am am good and I am happy to be here, very excited. Feeling very nostalgic for 2006, even though the year was a blur and I can't remember actually what was going on in my life back then. But I'll try and remember because I'm sure you'll ask me in a second. (laughs) We may trigger lots of memories throughout this, um, especially when we run down the news of the year. Um, But just because your your monotone voice is kind of uh, legendary on the Dreamcast Junkyard podcast. It is uh, (laughs) something that's mentioned fairly often. Now, the way you've described it is almost like the vocal equivalent of Botox. Like you can't really tell what kind of (laughs) emotion that you have. You have to tell us. It's kind of like when people on X Factor go on and they sing really badly, but I think in their head it sounds kind of good. And... um, my uh, my fiance who was was a music teacher says it's like a phrase like they you some she has students using their head voice and that's kind of how it works for me mm. I think I sound really excited but you just hear the one tone <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> but it's good it's a very relaxing nice deep voice very good on the on the old uh, yeah. on the old podcast and <laughs> uh, hopefully on on the radio as well spoiler alert um, oh yes all good. Uh, also, this is a one step closer to a DCY slash DCJY crossover event. Uh, mm. We're getting there slowly. Slowly but surely. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Have you had Tom on here? You have, had, haven't you? You've had Tom we on We have before. had Tom yeah. on, yeah. A while ago now, yeah. So one at a time. I'm going to get you on one at a time <laughs> until I've had all of the Dreamcast Junkyard people on here. If you, ever did like, if you ever did like a mega mix, then I and Tom would be on like uh, the mega mix. So it'd kind of be a, a proper crossover. Very true. 
very true. We should probably do an actual crossover at some point. That would be awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That would be awesome. Um, sticking with the theme of Dreamcast for the time being, uh, my first question, as it is to everyone who joins us on the show, is this. Uh, what, Mr. Cox, is your favourite Dreamcast game? My favourite Dreamcast game? Oh, wow. That is a very <laughs> hard question because it changes very frequently. Um, the kind of like story-loving game side of me really wants to say Shenmue 2 but mm-hmm. I think for the, 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 the memories and the fun times with friends Power Stone 2 100% mm. that's the one um, specifically okay. that one though and I've explained a million times why it's my favorite but um, that is yeah just every time I think of that game I just can't think of anything negative to say it's all positive memories and good times so yeah, that I think that's it. That's the fa- the best, in my opinion. Yeah, it's strong a very pick. Good game. Yeah, yeah, very sure. strong pick. I think there's lots of people who'd have the opposite opinion. There's a lot of people who think the first game is better than the second. Mm. Is there any reason the second's better for you? Um, I mean, it's probably like rose-tinted goggles because it's the one I. I don't know if it was just when I played it as a kid at my friend's house. It was like the newer one, so that's the one he made. He like got me playing because I think he had both. Mm. Um, but I just I prefer the um, sort of way the stages like change and um, you know move around you and like the the opportunities for screwing over your friends such as you know trapping them when the boulders like in that one section in the temple where the boulders rolling like Indiana Jones style oh, yeah. and you can just like throw down a bear trap and trap them and yeah just a lot of uh, yeah a lot more dynamic I think and um, I like yeah. the new new characters as well. So yeah, <laughs> they were pretty good actually. There was there was like um, it's like a p- part robot guy. I can't remember oh, the name yeah. of that um, guy. Pete, Pete, and, is but, it Peter, Pete, something yeah. like that. But then they had Mel. It's just like just Mel. She just wore a, a floral oh, dress. Yeah. It's like oh hi Mel, <laughs> like, <laughs> just <laughs> random woman in the middle of Power Stone. Um, hi. <laughs> the uh, sort of like the wild card character in that is the. Um, the the princess on the front I think I can't remember her name now see I'm not I say this is like my favorite Dreamcast game but I can't remember her name um, but the princess on the front cover who um, mm. when she transforms she can put everyone on uh, like the they're not crucifixes you know don't don't we put a crucifix in a game but uh, no they're <laughs> like these sort of like X shape things and and you can basically trap your friends on these things and just like murder them and yeah no one ever picked that character but i did and killed everyone so (laughs) well know who not to play power stone 2 with and that is lewis um (laughs) i'll probably lose to be honest yeah we'll see one day we'll find out yeah we'll find out one day for sure um all right well before we get on with it uh, i have a couple a couple of announcements to make uh so first of all uh, we are live on Radio Sega. All right, we're not actually live. Uh, I've just always wanted to say that. Uh, however, uh, we are now a regular on the internet radio legend. Uh, that is Radio Sega. You'll find us there every Monday at 8 p.m. GMT, premiering our latest episode or giving you a rerun of an old one. Uh, you never know. One of these days, we may even be live for real, <gasps> which would be awesome. No pressure. Pretty cool. 
Uh, thanks to the team at Radio Sega for welcoming us all with open arms, which is lovely. Uh, great community over there, and we're really looking forward to bringing you more nostalgia-fueled shows over the coming year and beyond. Uh, you can, of course, still find us at all the usual podcatchers and directly over at dreamcastyears.co.uk a few days after we've premiered on Radio Sega. Uh, it's exciting, guys, right? It's very exciting, yes. Ooh, very exciting. Yes, yes. yes. Deli- delighted. And uh, I'll echo what you said, Andrew. Thanks to everyone for uh, welcoming us. It is it is very, very lovely to be here. Absolutely. And Rich, especially for you, because you've been listening to Radio Sega for quite some time. Yeah, it's weird with me. I mean, I can't I can't say for, sh- for sure when I exactly listened to them, but yeah, it became part of my uh, evening doing the dishes uh, playlist. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, this is a fantastic thing. It's there all the time. 24-7 and I never thought in my wildest dreams that I'd be part of it so yeah it's it's phenomenal really is very very exciting and Lewis obviously Dreamcast Junkyard's no stranger because you do uh, the Winterfest pretty much every year and uh, it's always always very well received very very good for the Dreamcast Junkyard as well yeah um, Winterfest is cool I, I, I've uh, yeah. you know I listen to it you know uh, now and then and uh, you know you can't go wrong with you know just endless streams of sega music really what? can't yeah <laughs> very true very very true uh cool so yes hello radio sega thank you for having us and um if you are listening to this first on radio sega the likelihood is that one of us or maybe all of us will be in the chat over at the discord so mm-hmm. get over there if you fancy it and have a chat with us um if you're listening to it later we may not be there uh but you know it's fun anyway <laughs> Go over we, and join we, them anyway. Are we are we are we allowed to swear on the radio? Yes, it's fine. Oh, it's good. all right. Yeah, okay, fine. Good. <laughs> yeah, it's good. I mean, I mean, try not to say the really bad words, but you know. <laughs> no, 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 no. Of course. Could you uh, could you tell us what those bad words are, Andrew? Just uh, shit, piss, bugger, fuck. I mean, we can just go through all of them. It's fine. I won't say the c word. That's pr- too well, much. Well, the problem. only one that creates work. Yeah, I was going to say the only one that creates work for you is because then you have to go bleep that out which is <laughs> you it's tough <laughs> like, you have to find it in the timeline and then you know uh-huh. you have to find um, exactly where someone said and then mentally noting this is about 10 minutes in <laughs> please don't make this hard work for me <laughs> sorry sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> anyway okay. uh, secondly some of you may have noticed that we've changed something else uh, originally we set out to cover the years of 1997 all the way through to 2008 and we're almost there uh, however as we approach that final year i've been thinking why stop there Uh, When looking at the last 30 years in gaming, for me personally, things really started to get interesting with the dawn of optical media-based consoles. And while gaming continues to thrive today, it was towards the end of the seventh generation that many of the issues with the modern gaming scene began to show themselves. Uh, I therefore decided that the golden years of gaming were actually not just between 1997 and 2008, uh, but actually 1994 to 2011. And uh, after promising Steve and Rich that I wouldn't just keep adding years on willy-nilly, the decision was made (laughs) to expand the golden years. And so from season two, uh, we'll look at these new years. Uh, Season one will still end with 2008 as originally planned, uh, because, you know, Rich still needs to figure out if he's won the quiz and all that kind of (laughs) stuff. Um, (laughs) But it's going to be a great 18 years of gaming to discuss with plenty of Sega in the mix too. Another exciting thing as well, guys, right? There's so many good games in those 18 years. It does seem weird. I mean, we're about about to talk about, you know, some 2006 games and there are some bangers on there. Mm -hmm. Like, things really start to ramp up and it would seem seem odd to stop stop there, wouldn't it? We've got a lot Mm. more to talk about. So, yes. Definitely. Definitely. Absolutely. 
All right, well, so let's get cracking with our premiere first on Radio Sega episode, shall we? Uh, it's that time, folks. I am about to introduce you to a golden year the only way that I know how, through the medium of song puns. Prepare yourselves, and those listening, please give your best guess for how many songs titles you think I managed to cram into the next section uh, via the Radio Sega Discord channel, uh, if you're listening to us first over there, of course. And guys, Lewis, Rich, Steve, kind of give yourselves a... find something to count with, an abacus, a calculator, your fingers, figure out how many song titles that I'm going to go through here. Centering myself, getting ready for this. Here we go. You might think I'm crazy, but my hips don't lie. From Paris to Berlin and everywhere else, in fact, Dreamcast Years is now coming at you via the medium of internet radio. So sick, right? Who knew that this is where we'd end up? Perhaps we were a little naive, but Rich, when you were young, did you really did you really think you'd be on Radio Sega? No, don't think so. Uh, sorry, I really should control myself, but no promises. I mean, this is radio, where they put your records on. Just one last request before bed. Sorry, deja vu. Let's move on to 2006 now, as we'll be checking it out today. I'll be ready, but will you? My, 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 I really should stop now. Is it any wonder people cringe so much at this point? Perhaps I should go to pun rehab. I've become a monster. But boys will be boys. And before I push any more of your buttons, I'll bring this to a close. It's Chico time. I'm done. I'm done. Uh, That last one. That last one was not a pun. It was not a pun. It was just playing with the song titles. (laughs) Come on, best guess. Uh, How many two thousand? How many two thousand and six song titles did I get in there? Fifty-one thousand. That's high. It's very Mm. high. That's what I counted. Got twenty-six. I'm going to go with. Oh, okay, Lewis. Um, there was many. See, I'd feel like I'm. I'm quite a good. I'm sort of a music aficionado. Mm-hmm. Um, it's sort of like my, apart from Dreamcast, music is like my other obsession, which mm-hmm. that's kind of like saying like, I like breathing. But um, <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I want to say, see, I was thinking more kind of like early 20s. I'm just going to say 20, mm. bang on. Okay. So, so my yeah, my real guess was sort of 22, 20, 21, that sort of area. I'll push you for a solid answer there, Steve. Pick pick one. Uh, 21. Oh, Lewis and Steve, you're so close. So very, very close. It was, in fact, 22. Oh. Might have fit 22 in there. Um, oh. I could have tried for more, but I didn't want our listeners to tune out forever. So um, <laughs> I, I don't apologies. remember some of those songs. Like, some of them song names did not ring any bells. No, to be fair, me either. I just kind of go down a list and pick out the ones that make sense and, or vaguely make sense in a <laughs> in a sentence. Ones that you can so. stretch into a yeah. sentence. Exactly, exactly. Okay. Um, there you go. Uh, Radio Sega, you're welcome. This will be happening more often. Please, please tune in next week still. <laughs> <laughs> um, before we move on to the games, we are going to have a rundown of what was going on in the UK back in 2006 and kind of worldwide to a degree as well. So get ready because uh, this sometimes has a tendency to get dark. Uh, I apologise in advance. Um, on the 20th of January, a whale was discovered swimming in the River Thames. Mm. Who thought, who knew? Who knew that would happen? Um, Queen Elizabeth II celebrated her 80th birthday in this year. 
Um, Fernando Alonso won the F1 British Grand Prix at Silverstone. Mm. Uh, mm. An Egyptian passenger ferry sank in February, killing over a thousand people. Wow, Jeez. dude. A thousand. Why do I forget I thought that? that was a lot. Many spacecraft reached their destinations in this year, including the Mars Reconnaissance Orbiter and Venus Express, while the Cassini-Huygens spacecraft uh, discovered the possible presence of water on Saturn's mood, Saturn's mood, Saturn's moon Enceladus. I believe that's how you pronounce it. Maybe it isn't. <laughs> However, the International Astrom- Astronomical Union also demoted Pluto in this year to dwarf Was planet. that 2006? Really? It was. Pluto. Still a disgrace. A disgrace. We yes. should get a petition going. Yeah. Uh, Lordi won the Eurovision Song Contest for oh. Finland in this year, becoming the most recognisable act of this century to win the contest. Uh, North Korea claimed to conduct its first ever nuclear test, making their crazy crackpot regime even more terrifying than before. Um, in deaths this year, Saddam Hussein was executed on the 30th of December uh, after having been convicted of crimes against humanity. So there you go. And born this year, uh, this gets harder every year as we go on, but born this year was Surrey Cruz, daughter to Tom Cruise and Katie Holmes, whose oh. birthday is the 18th of April. There you go. Wonder how she's doing. In in TV, we saw the likes of Life on Mars, Charlie Brooker's Screenwipe, and the IT Crowd debut in the UK. Mm-hmm. While in America, programs such as Hannah Montana, The Hills, Jericho, Heroes, and Thirty Rock were aired for the very first time. This is 2006 was a long time ago, but all, all mm-hmm. of these things feel disturbingly recent to me. Yeah. They- really do (laughs) (laughs) Jericho was awesome as well it was good that that didn't get more than it did but yeah it's very good Um, it was also a big year for movies with Daniel Craig taking up the mantle of Bond in Casino Royale Uh, the original X-Men trilogy came to a close with X-Men The Last Stand and so-so Tom Hanks thriller The Da Vinci Code uh, was released at the box office as well uh, we also saw the likes of The Departed, Flushed Away, and the excellent Silent Hill movie. The Departed was 2006? Mm. It was. No, yeah. I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> Just making us all feel very Yikes. old today. I apologise. That's what I'm doing. Um, in music, we had new albums from Arctic Monkeys, Amy Winehouse, Gorillaz, uh, Nelly Furtado, and Coldplay. And the top 10 singles in the UK for 2006 were... And let's just see how bad this year was for music, because it's generally quite bad when we look at the top 10 singles. Uh, I'm going to go from uh, 10 to 1. So number 10 this year was Shane Ward, That's My Goal, who was the X Factor winner that year. Came in at 10. That wasn't his goal, trust me. (laughs) No, no, it really wasn't. Um, Number 9 was Maneater by Nelly Furtado, which was a genuine banger. I really like that one. Mm. Very good one. Uh, Number 8, Justin Timberlake, Sexy Back. June. Also pretty good, yeah, yeah. Uh, number seven, No Tomorrow by Orson. Do I not remember that, that at all. No. Sounds Mm-mm. vaguely no. familiar. Mm. Number six was uh, From Paris to Berlin by Infernal, which again, mm. bit of a banger if you're into dance music. Very good. Mm. Mm. Uh, number five, Nasty Girl by The Notorious B.I.G. featuring Diddy, Nelly, Jagged Edge and Avery Storm. That's a lot of people for one song. That was... Uh... Um, that was one of the ones he did after he died. Notorious B.I.G. Like on the posthumous album yeah. he released. Yeah, posthumous songs are a, a bit odd, aren't they? Uh, yeah. But, you know, there you go. That was a good when tune. When did he die, though. actually? It was long before this, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, I don't know. I can't, I'm not actually sure of the year. 
How dare you? How dare you, Lewis? You should know all of this. I'm a bad fan. <laughs> you really are. Uh, number four was I Wish I Was a Punk Rocker with Flowers in My Hair. F- offensive song. Hate it. It's awful. Yeah. Sadly, Tom, how dare you? Uh, how dare you unleash that on the world? But number three was I Don't Feel Like Dancing by the Scissor Sisters, which mm. is all right. Uh, number two was Crazy by Niles Barkley. Again, pretty good song. And uh, number one, number one song of 2006 was Hips Don't Lie by Shakira featuring Wyclef Sean. Yeah. Uh, Gene, indeed. Yeah. It's not the worst year we've had. It's not the worst year. I don't see any in there that you would particularly like, though, Steve, in terms of songs. Yeah, but I'm, I think, I think I'm the problem when it comes to music. Right. So, like, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> I mean, it was it was decent because you're a Gorillaz fan, right? Yeah, and yes, this yeah, was yeah. the year that Demon Days was that's released. That's correct. So. Yeah, yeah. No, that's true. That's great. True. I actually spent most of 2006 listening to Lordy, and that was before Eurovision. So I was oh, really? a bit of a Lordy hipster, me. Um, Ooh, before wow. they got popular. Um, yeah, that was definitely my band of that year. <laughs> that's a that's a little bit of a humble brag. I liked hum- yeah. I liked Lordy before they became popular. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I feel like they were the only Eurovision act to ever be played on Kerrang. That's what I remember. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Possible, yeah, yeah. I can't see any of the others. Like, you wouldn't get like what book spheres on crime or anything like that. It's just not, yeah, not it's not radical. All right, enough. uh, so now <laughs> more of a scars band, they are. Now that's out of the way, um, we have some games to talk about. All of these games released in the UK or EU during 2006, and after discussing each one, we'll decide if it was a game changer, just a game. Or if it was actually a bit shit. Uh, so let's do this. And uh, just to note before we do that, the Nintendo Wii released in this year. Uh, so that was our console release for 2006. So we're going to see a few games for that. Um, let's let's go. So my first game on my lovely list here is a game that released for PC and 360 on March the 24th. And that was The Elder Scrolls for Oblivion. Mm. Quite a big game, this one. It was. Yeah, yeah. Anybody, anybody played this one? I did. I played a lot. Um, this was a big game, both in terms of you know square miles, but also impact. Um, yeah, I played a heck of a lot of Oblivion. It was so in the run up to the release of this game, uh, it blew everyone away with its screenshots. Like, look how many blades of grass and leaves there are in these screenshots. Holy shit! Mm-hmm. Right, and it got everyone very excited. Um, and rightly so, it was gorgeous when it came out. Um, it was a true sort of open world game. Um, I mean, obviously we'd had like Grand Theft Auto before then, but those felt sort of like contained like city type games. Whereas this was like a big expanse, uh, that you could just kind of wander around in and it was dense with forests and trees and like ripe for mystery and discovery. And, uh, it was brilliant and it was an Elder Scrolls game where they ditched the sort of dice roll combat um Mm. and it was like if you swung your sword and hit the thing then you hit the thing you got no more sort of erroneous misses that you couldn't explain uh so it felt very tactile for an rpg um and it released on the 360 so it was like a big ass rpg coming out on a console for all the uh casual console fake gamers to play and i think it's fair (laughs) to say it probably got a lot of people into rpgs or into this style of game so yeah very big deal this game and uh deservedly yeah. so absolutely and it had patrick stewart for about an hour yeah wow less than that even cool. really it was he was in it for True. a time he basically like says i've seen you in my dreams and then close shut the jaws of oblivion and then his body ragdolls down some stairs and that's it <laughs> <laughs> 
it also had it also had Sean Bean in it as well. Nice. And, Did he die? Uh, he, I don't remember actually. I mean, I assume yes, right? That's just the way that goes. <laughs> it has to. It has yeah, to. yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, very significant this game. Very true. Lewis, is this one that you've played? Um, yeah. So just to sort of co- give you some context about where I was in 20, two, 2016, 2006, I never actually owned a seventh gen console until you know PS4, Xbox One had come out, and they were cheaper. Um, but my grandparents have had an Xbox 360 because my granddad is and still is a gamer. Um, and this is my granddad's all-time favorite game ever. Um, I, I always remember him coming into um, where me and my cousin were just hanging out. And he walks in, he just says really seriously, he goes, do you think they'll ever make a game as good as Oblivion? Like, it's like like the way he said it was like he'd, he'd been eating at him all day but like he he loved this he loves this game um and i I remember when he like brought the game back from the shop and i i I swear like was there a map in in the box the 360 game case because i feel like yeah yeah, like i feel like he he, i swear he like picked it up and he he opened and he got this map and he was like this is how big the game world is and um i just remember because i obviously i didn't have a 360 when i'd visit my grandparents or my cousins would be there i'd usually just watch them play instead um because they're probably a lot better at me than me at it um and i just um kind of to reiterate what um what steve was saying just kind of like the vastness uh, of what you could do like you know obviously we had gta um and things like that big open world games but this felt almost like there was just all these things that you could do all these sort of paths you could follow um, and it just felt like this huge sort of limitless game. Mm. Um, like mm-hmm. I just remember watching my cousin a lot on it and, you know, one minute he's in some like Coliseum and then, you know, doing all these, you know, wave after wave of fights. And then he, next thing you know, I'm sort of like, oh, what are you doing now? He's like, oh, I'm a vampire. I need to go get blood. And oh no, the sun's come out and I'm get I'm taking damage or whatever. So just these, like these ridiculous amount of things you can do um it just was always just so impressive to me and weirdly i felt like not enough people at the time truly sort of got into it until i feel like skyrim was where the elder scrolls really took off in the sort of casual gamer in quotes sort of sphere i suppose yeah 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 so like we we had obviously the gta's before this but i think one thing that really made this game stand out as well is that it had the open world but it also had what they were calling at the time uh radiant ai um and it had a limited number of npcs as well like it 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 didn't uh populate the world with sort of generic cook like cookie cutter npcs like they were all people that had their daily lives and they had goals depending on what their needs were um if they were hungry they'd go find food they had jobs to go to and many of them were shopkeepers and you would catch them walking to their shop in the morning to open the shop and then closing it again at night so it was very unique in the open world space for for feeling like it was actually alive and that you know they had real people with real lives in it and that's really what made it stand out as well it was it was so like you were saying earlier it was a big thing for the xbox to get a game like this but the xbox the original xbox did get morrowind 
and that was kind of a big deal at the time but morrowind is a completely different beast to oblivion it's like like you're saying it's it's got the dice roll combat but also it's it, i mean morrowind is a bizarre a bizarre game and oblivion's almost um kind of a normal fantasy game when you kind of normally in inverted commas kind of a lord of the rings style fantasy rpg and i think that helped a lot of people get on board with it and i mean that that thing took off right it was it had like anniversary editions and it got released on ps3 and there was game of the year editions it was just everywhere for quite a while yeah i i think what lewis is saying is right skyrim was where you know it reached escape velocity and became the mm-hmm. ridiculous um um sales success that that, that series is now skyrim but oblivion... on your fridge <laughs> yes well yeah exactly skyrim on your alexa um <laughs> <laughs> but Oblivion was still a significant step up from where it was before. Um, mm. The Elder Scrolls as a series was for RPG nerds. Um, I, I say nerds lovingly, not disparagingly. <laughs> um, and Morrowind sort of broke out from that a little bit by having attractive graphics and, and, and sort of enticing an enticing world. But yeah, Oblivion was where they said, okay, all bets are off. This game's for everyone. And there were people who complained about that at the time. They said that it was consolified and it was simplified and streamlined for the casuals. I think there is an argument for that, but I, even if that is the case, I think it made the game better, uh, in my opinion. Sure. Um. I, I feel like I need to get this. I was going to say, get out of the way. We've we've talked a bit about I know, the game already. I know what you're going to say. I know what you're going to say. <laughs> Rich, have yes. you played this game? I have not, no. No, not your thing. <laughs> At the time, it was never a game that appealed to me and that remains true now. Um, if it has swords or armor in it, I'm usually not too bothered. <laughs> so, yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of a it was a given i think that it wouldn't it be your kind of thing to yeah be fair. it was I, I say you know this game's for everyone that's certainly what they were going for it does not make this game for everyone and i think it's fair that uh the rich the rich wasn't into it well i mean you kind of sold me on patrick stewart ragdolling downstairs so maybe i need to give it a go just <laughs> yeah, for you that. can just find know. that on youtube it's fine yeah. Yeah, you could actually yeah very true very true first 10 minutes you don't even need to go that far into it i mean you know, you won't even go in, far, in as far as Metal Gear Solid 3. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, Very true. Let's not talk about that. <laughs> Leave that in the past. Didn't, um, even, didn't even pick up the satchel. Sorry, go on. I didn't. Any any kind of other words on, on the game before we rate it or slate it or whatever we're going to do for it? Good. <laughs> okay. I, um, uh, so. Oh, I was just going to say I uh, never really sort of Skyrim never really appealed to me as much as Oblivion and my granddad who loves this game felt similar he, he, I said did, oh did you enjoy Skyrim you know like the sequel like the one after Oblivion he didn't like it and I don't know why he just said it didn't feel mm. as vast or as exciting as I suppose what he saw in Oblivion at the time so yeah there is a there is a uh, a bleakness to Skyrim that Oblivion doesn't have Mm. and so I think some people bounced off Skyrim for that reason like Skyrim opens up with an execution scene like an explicit execution scene and everything's a bit dire and snowy and grey and brown Uh, and it did switch some people off yeah I would I would just say to Lewis real quick I'm really impressed with your granddad because I think the one time my granddad had a games console he had a PlayStation and the only games he owned were uh, Brian Lara Cricket and The Weakest Link so <laughs> The Weakest Link Yeah fair play fair play Hey The Weakest Link was was fire and Robinson That was a banger Awesome 
<laughs> I mean, we've had Rich's mum on the podcast. I feel like if we ever did an Elder Scrolls podcast, we kind of need to get your granddad on. My granddad is incredible. Like I remember when I was a kid, I watched him complete um, the game Alundra. Um, and if any mm. of you have ever played Alundra, you will know that that game is ridiculously difficult to the point where it's just cryptic and you're like, how the hell did they expect me to figure <laughs> this out? <laughs> Turns out they designed it for granddads all along. Yeah, didn't didn't use a guide <laughs> or anything because it was you know, wow, pre-internet. That, that, yeah. that is impressive. Yeah, yeah, he's, a, he's very uh, patient and I wish I could have some of that patience. <laughs> <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, so one thing I was going to mention before we went on to scoring, actually, is just the, the whole reason for the title of the game, which is the Oblivion Gates. That was something a bit new and a bit different for the series mm. as well, right? Yeah, I mean, not only do you spend time in this world, you can also randomly find hell portals to an entirely different one uh, and and exploring there. I mean, it's less fun to explore those worlds, but they, yeah, it's it made you feel like there was like another dimension sort of hiding underneath the real world and it was it was cool i actually found the oblivion so i've got a bit of a, a tradition with elder scrolls games which is that i never finish them and i don't give a shit about the main storyline and mm-hmm. oblivion oblivion was no different um i did some of the oblivion gates but i mostly didn't care about that stuff i just went and did everything else instead um it's cool they look cool but I think the the sort of hell alternate dimension places start to wear a bit thin after a while for me. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. that was one of the really exciting things about the game to people like me who'd never seen something like this before. Like you could just do so many different things instead of the main story, and mm. those things were fun as well. It wasn't they weren't they didn't they never struck me as just like boring honed in sort of shoved in side quests. Oh no. They, oh, no, you no. know, yeah, like they were, there was, they were really deep, you know, systems yeah. of, yeah. I, I, I'm not, I've not played it too much, like I say, so like I couldn't go into deep depth about it, but yeah, it, it just seemed like you could just leave the main story and do whatever you wanted. It almost seems to me like the main story of Elder Scrolls games are done um, through obligation. Like <laughs> to me, to me, everything else is those games. It is seeking out the thieves' guild. Uh, the Assassin's Guild, like you, 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 the way you join the Assassin's Guild is, uh, and they don't tell you this, but if you kill somebody, if you kill like an unarmed innocent NPC for whatever reason, um, you receive a letter the next time you sleep at an inn, and it's just a black handprint that says "We know." Uh, and then later on in the game, you get visited by Lucien Lachance, who's like this hooded figure who's like we we saw what you did and we were very impressed and he invites you to join the assassin's guild it's cool as fuck it's it's yeah. amazing love stuff like that yeah, just like it's cryptic extras that you know yeah yeah and then and then that whole quest line is in my opinion better than the main story and it's something mm. that you might never stumble across i mean on, on that note then what we're we thinking is this was this a game changer or is it just a game uh steve what do you think uh, it's it's comfortably a game changer in my opinion yeah yeah fair enough uh, Lewis? Yeah, same. Game changer. Um, I think, pro- like I, I said before, Skyrim was the sort of one that launched it to the stratosphere. But as far as um, games in general, game changer. The RP- As far as RPGs in general, mm. game changer. Mm. Rich, are you going to take your usual stance on games that you've not played? Yeah. I'm going to stick with the safe option and go for a game. A game. <laughs> a game. That's 
Very, very decent of you, Rich. Um, That's fine. I am going to say, I mean, I've played a decent amount of this. Again, like Steve, I never finished it. Um, and like Lewis, of course, as well. But I enjoyed it a lot, enough that I eventually kind of bought it and have it in my backlog to intend to play more of at some point. It's worth pointing out as well, before I continue, this is one of the first examples of DLC as well, Oblivion, because it had the horse armor. God, yeah, of course. (laughs) Uh, I would be remiss of us to say. How could I have forgotten about that? What what was it, like $5 for horse armor? Something ridiculous like that, Which at the time, wow, sent people into a frenzy of anger. Mm-hmm. And is now very common pra- practice. Yeah, that's, that's what Fortnite's model is built on. Yes, <laughs> yeah, indeed. My, my, so. my, my friend was telling me about that horse armor just the other day. We were chatting about Oblivion, and he just went, Yeah, I, I bought the horse armor. It was sick. My horse looked <laughs> cool. I was well happy. Like, he, he, he didn't give a shit. But it's no. then when it gets into, you know, horse armor DLC pack, don't know, that's like 20 quid or something. <laughs> that's when it gets mm. bad <laughs> it's a first for a lot of things you know it's like a the first game in the elder scroll series that does away with uh, the kind of type of combat they had had up to that point it's the first one that introduced dlc it was uh the first one on the xbox 360 it, it has to be a game changer for those re- i mean maybe not for the horse, horse armor but for the rest <laughs> of it it's uh it's a game changer for sure for sure i very much enjoyed it all right Moving on to the next game on our list, I have a feeling I might start with Rich on this one, and this is uh, released on September the 8th for the Xbox 360, Dead Rising. Rich, Mm -hmm. I have a feeling that you may have played this one? Yes, this is actually the first game I picked up when I got my 360, because, I mean, what more can I say? Um, I've... Even at that point, I'd been a zombie fan for years, so this was basically Dawn for the Dead, the game. Mm-hmm. A shopping mall, you know, kind of an open world to a degree. Mm-hmm. Um, you kind of just sold, straight away, sold. Um, it's, a, it's a funny one. I do kind of have a bit of a weird love-hate relationship with this game, because as much as I love running around, seeing, like, dozens upon dozens of zombies on the screen at any one time i love the off the wall sense of humor when using uh, different melee weapons and costumes and just the sheer amount of gore but this game does contain a lot of things that i've never got on too well with in video games and that's timers escort missions and overly challenging bosses uh, that's the so, game basically isn't it <laughs> it is yeah but I think I just always kind of persevered because I just loved messing around. And I kind of wish, I don't know if they brought this in with some of the subsequent games, some of the sequels, but I would have just loved kind of just a, a pissing around like free roam option where I could just, mm-hmm. there's no 72 hour timer. I can just go about my business, killing zombies in creative ways and just having a laugh. But yeah, it. I'd love this game. It looked fantastic at the time. I can't really say how, it's, how it holds up now because I've not played it in years, but I absolutely loved it at the time. Simply was it was, you know, dawn the game and I'd never seen anything like it until that point. I mean, we obviously had Resident Evil, but that was your kind of more standard haunted house kind of game. Obviously, mm-hmm. I know we had like in the streets as well with the sequels, but yeah, this just to me was... A one-off and i think it was 
I do believe it was like the first real big exclusive for the Xbox 360 mm-hmm. at the time as well. So that in itself was obviously a big selling point. Um, I also think this was the first game I remember. It's kind of more of a commonplace thing now. We're now we're in the era of 4K, but it was the first video game I played where I noticed that the text on the screen was way too small. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that that was a funny thing at the time. I was playing it on my CRT TV. And I was like, I cannot bloody read this. And I didn't know if it was poor game design or if I was stuck in the past. Um, But yeah, I have weird memories with this game. Like I said, there's some love, there's some hate. But I do want to go back and play some of the sequels because I've never really seen how they evolved if they did improve on some of the things that weren't necessarily for me. Mm. Mm. Um, Lewis, is this this a game that you've played? Um, This isn't one I've played... um... This is a is this KG and Afune uh, pre Mighty Number no. Nine, um, yeah. Uh, I haven't played it, but it's it's the kind of thing that's right up my street. You know, the kind of off the wall B movie charm kind of reminds me of sort of something like Deadly Premonition or I don't know, maybe mm, a Blue yeah. Stinger. Um, mm. But yeah, um, I did watch a, a a little YouTube sort of documentary about. I think the channel's called Gamers, but the A is like a V. They did like quite a good little um, retrospective on the series, and I was, you know, I am definitely thinking about, you know, grabbing a, a copy because I feel like it's been re-released um, now. Like you can get it on other systems as a, as opposed to just being a 360 exclusive. So um, I will mm-hmm. investigate perhaps uh, Xbox One backwards compatibility, hopefully. So I will, I will, yeah, I'll give it a go. Yeah, it's it's the kind of thing I like, just mindless stupid you know ridiculous zombie hijinks and r- silly weapons yeah it seems seems pretty cool yeah and it was incredibly stupid um i mean steve you've you've played this one as well right yes i absolutely loved and still love dead rising mm-hmm. yeah it's 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 uh, an incredible game that i can still go back to and have a good time and that wall that mall willamette mall is like um, I, I've, I've tried to I've tried to articulate this before, but I always do a very bad job, and I'm going to try again now. But like, you know, when a game has a space that you spend a lot of time in, like the mall is not that big, really, but but mm. the way but the way they use it, it makes you intimately familiar with that mall, and you and and you come to kind of feel very. Uh, very familiar with it and it feels like a sort of a place you can call home almost and mm-hmm. it's so well designed for that and you learn all the nooks and crannies and all the secret passages and all the all the ways that you can use the environment to your advantage and I feel that way about the mall in that game I think it's really well designed and yeah. I absolutely love the game and I, I think the game overall is really well designed and I will push back a little bit on Ritz and, and I, I know you said that you, you want a version of this game without the timer and a lot of people feel that way but I don't think you do want that I, I, <laughs> I don't think people do want that because the zombie like the, the genius of this game is the timer because the zombie the zombies without a timer are no threat whatsoever you cut through them like butter and they don't matter and you can just yeah. walk away from them and put your health back up and then wade back in. But the yeah. the way the timer is implemented, it turns uh, enemies who are incredibly fragile into a massive threat because you have to get from one place to another before somebody dies or you know to get someone medication or to meet someone or to save someone. 
and the hordes of zombies between you and your destination are the game's challenge and and that's to me what makes it special and that's what makes it feel like a true zombie game because they're a threat because you have to actually try and live your life in real time as opposed to you know just cut through them whenever you want to I mean, believe me, that's what works for me. Again, being a fan of the genre, that's what's always worked for me with the films is the idea that characters have to go on to a small mission Mm -hmm. to retrieve supplies, do a weapons run. So I think for me, it's just the anxiety of I have to play it as a game. I'm not just a passenger. I'm actually having to be immersed. Yeah, no. Kind of like with horror games in general. Yeah. I just say, I can't do this. I'm feeling anxious. And I just turn off. (laughs) Yeah, no, I get it. Like, and I usually don't like timers that much either, but like... Uh, and to answer your question, I think Dead Rising Three does away with the timer. So mm, you know, sweet, go okay. so go for it, go nuts. Um, awesome. But uh, I don't know. I I I think Dead Rising One and Two, to a lesser degree, are incredibly well designed. And and for me, it's all about the timer. Like you you, uh, it's also a game that is not only designed to be played multiple times. It is a game that you have to play multiple times. And it didn't surface that information to you at all. You just kind of had to work that out. Because whenever you fail, uh, you start the game again, but you keep your levels and you, and you keep all the abilities that you've learned. And so it's fucking impossible the first time through. You have to fail uh, multiple times before you have any chance to uh, to complete that game. And fail fail states are missing deadlines, letting somebody die. Like y- you have like a calendar laid out in front of you of the three days that you spend in the mall before your chopper pilot comes back to save you. And if you miss a dead deadline, it just puts red crosses through every other day and goes, you fucked up. All of this is gone now. You can't do this anymore. And then you just have to wait around for the rest of the time before the chopper pilot comes or deliberately kill yourself uh, to start again. I just, it's so unique and it's so well designed. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it is very, very much so. And just to point out in terms of the sandbox um thought so the 72 hour mode is the main mode and then you get overtime mode if you complete it which gives you an extra day and extra objectives to complete but then if you complete all of that you get something called infinity mode which is basically the sandbox mode that you're talking about with no timer so you can get that in the original dead rising you just have to complete yeah. the game yeah. first it does mean you have to engage directly with mechanics that you don't like so <laughs> maybe don't go yeah. for that i um i kind of this game to me strikes me as almost like the last well around this time everything seemed to just transition start this was sort of like we're just on the edge of transitioning into this every game is you know copying call of duty era Mm -hmm. and i feel like this is sort of like one of the sort of last breaths of that kind of like arcadey kind of experience almost that um i don't know it just seemed like the games like this kind of got lost a little i mean obviously you still had things like this but it, they sort of started to um sort of in the the mainstream sort of trickle away slightly yeah it's it's super colorful and super mm. silly uh, yeah, yeah and and games like that became annoyingly few and far between at least in the mainstream anyway yeah yeah, yeah. Yes, definitely. I mean, it was very Capcom Mm. in the colourfulness and the fact that there was a lot of uh, little Easter eggs to other Capcom games, which was great. Um, And like you said, there was very much an arcade feel to it. I mean, the timer itself is kind of an arcade throwback, um, although kind of stretched out quite a lot for, for a console game. But I mean, 
kind of going back to what Steve was saying about the location itself, I can remember it now. Like, not all of it, but the courtyard in the middle, I remember that being a pain in the arse, especially <coughs> at night when there were zombies mm-hmm. kind of turn super evil and just, you know, just un- unstoppable, basically. I remember the loading dock bit, which was, like, really dark and scary as hell. Um I remember we get to go to the food court for the first time and it's the, I think the clown boss is there and yeah. meeting the clown boss was super scary. But the you know, it, it was very clever at introducing you to different areas of the mall bit by bit um, and kind of giving you these additional challenges as you went because you had to... Uh, like there was like a gang that was in the game as well, I believe. So you were fighting against a gang as well as the zombies, if I'm remembering right. There, there's uh, it's a cult actually, like That's an it. end of the world cult. Uh, that game mm-hmm. really goes places. Uh, the storyline is oh, yeah. fucking bizarre, and it ends it really up being is. some kind of like cat-handed commentary on industrial slaughtering practices it's very weird yeah. it's very very strange um but yeah it is a, like a cult of people uh, wearing raincoats mm-hmm. uh, and masks and they they mill about in groups that are similar in number to the amount of zombies it's really weird yeah yeah mm. it's i mean it's it's great the, the story was like as you get got further into the story of the game and you obviously complete all your missions and and case files as they were called and did all that kind of stuff you kind of would unveil this story and by the end it was like like just crazy like it it was like conspiracy theory levels of madness i mean there was a cow involved i believe (laughs) yeah sorry let me mute that phone uh it was the 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 virus came from from bees that were infected Mm -hmm. after stinging industrial and industrially farmed cows because America yeah. and burgers, America loves burgers, right? I think that's what they were going for. I don't know. Super weird. Something along those lines. Super yeah. weird. Very weird. I think they toned down the weird from two onwards. Like two was a bigger game, and I don't think it was as weird uh, in terms of story. And three got very Americanized yeah. and a bit linear as well. Like it, 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 there was, it's quite a big area you get to explore, but it's you kind of just go to from area to area rather than yeah. having this whole thing to go to and um like two is fantastic two is a great game as two, well but one had a very unique sense of place i think yeah i think two uh one has a special place in my heart but i also really love two uh you can play two co-op as well which is some of <laughs> the most fun i've had playing a game uh in co-op it is it is brilliant fun yeah and you know the weapons are, are kind of almost the star of the show in this i mean being able to use practically anything as a weapon was pretty awesome mm-hmm. at the time like going into the cinema bit and being able to like pick up um like props and stuff that they had lying around or the toy store and picking up uh, like lightsabers and all sorts of weird and wonderful yeah. things uh, including was... like weapons that are shit as well it will let you mm-hmm. uh, smash and grab a handful of pearls and you can just start chucking pearls at zombies and it barely <laughs> has any effect but you could do it it's fun <laughs> you never know might work yeah. Oh, in fact, I think the... I think if you scatter enough on the ground, they start to uh, fall over because they trip on the pearls. Yeah. yeah, I think so. But it was oh. it was just it was this great example of like a, a small open world where you could just go and do anything you wanted in any order you wanted to an extent. Like you could go and do all these different missions in between the case files, and you could dress Frank up. Uh, you could do photography things because obviously he's a a war photographer, a photojournalist, and he. 
has his camera with him so you get you go and take photographs and get points for taking photographs of weird things in the mall so it's pretty cool sometimes uh prob- problematic i mean the photography yeah. was a very big mechanic in that game and you got uh like xp for taking photographs of specific things and there were different categories of photograph that you could take mm-hmm. like action explosion harrowing emotion one of the categories is erotic um yeah it's not it's not great <laughs> some of the things that yeah. you have to photograph <laughs> but uh yeah they have it i mean it was just a bizarre game overall was. really wasn't it but it's it, you know it had that japanese sense of humor and that japanese levity to it but it o- o- also was just a very well-made game mm-hmm. um and and a very fun game to play so um all right let's decide where this sits then uh rich is this a game changer for you um, that's a tough one. I'm kind of straddling mm. game and game changer. It'd be a strong game at the very least. Um, okay. I'm going to go with a very strong game because there were things that weren't necessarily appealing to me and I think it'd be a bit bold for me to say that it was a game changer. So, yeah, I'm going to say okay. strong game. Fair enough. Uh, Lewis, what do you think? Um, I think I'm going to go game just because while those like yourselves who played it seem to think it was you know the bee's knees it i don't know if it was necessarily like a a big sort of thing in in the sort of bigger realm of gaming so um mm. i'd probably think it was a game changer if i got a chance to play it and uh, i will probably make a note to go play this but yeah it's, i think it's a, a game if we're talking about in more general terms Fair, fair enough. Uh, Steve, what about you? Uh, I was just, um, I mean, I know I've just been, um, you know, bursting with praise <coughs> of this thing, but but I was thinking mm-hmm. along the same sort of lines um, as Lewis was just then. Like, I, I love it, but is it a game changer? I don't know. So I just did a very quick little bit of research there, and I found out that as of the end of 2017, Dead Rising 1 has sold 1.8 million copies. Mm. which oh, that's not very is many. low wow yeah that's awful <laughs> that is 11 years and they've sold that that is low um mm. so i had yeah uh i i wow. i love it but i think it's i think it's game too yeah fair enough fair enough i think two sold much better i have a feeling uh um, i can i can tell you right now two sold 3.1 million copies okay. out of the there end of go. 2017 many many more but still fairly low mm. bit of a in the overall sense of the cult game i guess yeah so, yeah. yeah um mm. and it's not really been like a huge influence i mean it, to be honest it, it took a lot of influence from other things but i don't know whether it's influenced other games in itself perhaps um uh, you know again like lewis said um and like you like you alluded to steve i loved it but it's possibly not something that everybody loves and therefore i'm not sure it can quite be a game changer but i definitely i'd side with rich and say it's a very very strong yes game, definitely sure. a very strong game yeah yeah awesome that's settled that one um let's move on to the next one which is a gamecube game or at least originally it was and it was ported to the wii uh it got released on the wii first in fact and then came to the gamecube afterwards and this is the legend of zelda twilight princess which released on the wii on december 8th and on the gamecube on december 19th uh rich have you played this one i very briefly played it at a Eurogamer event Ooh. um 
didn't go on too well with it. And my probably the my most memorable story with this game was when I actually picked up my Wii. Um, and the guy at um, game basically said, do you want to get Zelda or do you want to get Resident Evil 4? And I went Resident Evil 4. And yeah, that's about it, really. <laughs> Never played it beyond the Eurogamer event. Um, so I really couldn't say much about it. So your, your, Fair your, your story about this game is when you didn't buy it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. Great story, Rich. Great story. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Um, Lewis, um, have you played this one? My story about this is watching my granddad play the Wii version. And um, there's, you know, bless him, but there's nothing more pe- amusing than watching a pensioner waving a Wiimote around to attack things. <laughs> um, yeah, it was quite amusing to watch. Um, I've not not played this one. I'm not a big Zelda expert, really. Um, I think this one appealed to me the least because um, I really like the sort of... I mean, it was something that people didn't like, actually, but the sort of cartoony, colourful uh, blue skies of Wind Waker. And I feel like this one, I suppose, is the kind of like... Again, we talked about that kind of greyness of this generation. Mm. And I feel like this one kind is kind of like the the Zelda take on that. It's very grey and uh, not necessarily like in a in a bad way, but um, the kind of it didn't really appeal to me as much. Um, but I do have friends um, who absolutely love this, and they they swear by it, and they've told me all about how brilliant it is. Um, and but yeah, not not one I've uh, really had the time to get into. I'm afraid. Okay, fair enough. Um, Steve, what about yourself? <sighs> I'm afraid we're a bit hard done by here because I have also oh, not really played this game. Um, I, I I remember after uh, Wind Waker came out, uh, like Lewis was saying, a bunch of people got kind of cross about that. Um, you know, more like more like Zelda, all that stuff, and they were <laughs> itching for a sort of realistic adult Link type game, and I think this was supposed to be it. But then I think an mm-hmm. equal number of people were disappointed with this one as well. So basically, you can't please everyone, um, I think. No. But but yeah, I, I'm looking forward to when they eventually release the old Legend of Zelda, Zelda games on the Switch, because I will happily play this. Uh, I think it looks yeah. good. Uh, it looks like a good good time, but I, I sadly never played it at the time. Fair enough. Uh, this one's a bit of a washout. Um, I have played a bit of this. In fact, I think it is the first Zelda game that I ever played. Um so i believe that i got it for the gamecube and i didn't get it for the wii but i and i played a good few hours of it and was really enjoying it like it's got midna uh link turns into a wolf which is all cool and there's like the kind of the twilight you know the whole twilight princess thing there's this other dimension kind of thing you go into that's all almost digitally in the way that they present it um it's kind of digital-esque um, which is quite interesting for a Zelda game and it is, it's very dark it's very muted in terms of its colour palette but I guess it's meant to be that way because it's, uh, you know, it's, it's twilight it's, mm. uh, it's a dark time um, and I, I liked it I liked that it was this kind of darker take, you know, not, not that I'd played really Zelda before I knew of it, I'd seen a lot of it, maybe played a little bit of it here and there but nothing major um, but I liked that, I mean I'm, I'm a sucker for a dark game, I like a dark story and it, it drew me in in that way um but 
for one reason or another, I, I didn't get hugely far into it and ended up, I think, getting rid of it and trading it in. Of course, it's now worth a huge amount of money, hmm. um, <laughs> which is stupid of me to have traded it in back then. Um, I did then play it on the Wii eventually. Um, an interesting factoid about the Wii version is that um, Link is actually left-handed, but for the Wii version, they flipped the entire game. Yeah. Um, they mirrored it because most people are right-handed. So, which I think the whole is one-to-one combat fascinating, and I, I wonder what kind of technical issues that presented if any or if you can literally just like highlight everything and and right right click and flip i don't know (laughs) like i think that's fascinating very much so yeah um i did then rebuy it much later for the wii u because they did the hd remasters of that and wind waker and they do look phenomenally good, like both of those games. I mean, they're, they're two of the, you know, they're both GameCube era games. And I think the GameCube era is well loved in terms of Zelda. You got like, you got those games, you got the re-release of the classic games as well on the extra disc that you had for, I think it was Wind Waker. You got yeah. like an extra disc if you pre-ordered or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a great era for Zelda. Um, and unfortunately, I don't think the Wii was as good because... Although a lot of people liked Twilight Princess on the Wii, I'm, I just don't think it was that well suited for the the Wii mote. Um, it was very much like Breath of the Wild, which was produced for the Wii U, but then released released on the Switch. And although that did did it well, and it actually is fantastic on the Switch, it's that kind of cross generational divide. Like it was developed, uh, Breath of the Wild was developed for Wii U and then ported to Switch very late on when they realized they were moving platforms and they did the same for twilight princess it was developed on the gamecube but they realized they were going to be bringing out a new console and so they decided just to port it over and obviously completely new controls and i think it got lost in the shuffle a little bit and uh, of course then the other the other zelda games that came out were Link's crossbow training fantastic of course um and uh, skyward sword which is kind of one of the games that many people don't really like in the Zelda franchise. So the Wii wasn't really a great time for Zelda. Um, but yeah, I, I have fond memories of it. I want to play more of it. I like Wolf Link quite a lot. Pretty cool. You can also, you can play Wolf Link in Breath of the Wild if you have the Wolf Link amiibo, which is also cool. Mm. So, but that's about all I've got to say on it, really. It's, uh, it's, a, it's very strange that on the Wii, you can play two versions of the same game that use different controls mm-hmm. so maybe perhaps if <laughs> you true. if you if you got your wii and you thought oh this controller's not very good you could get the gamecube version uh, and then mm-hmm. sell it on ebay for much more later yeah very true i don't actually know if they had both versions on the wii u because i don't know if they had the mirrored version or the regular oh, version i cannot remember yeah. that now oh, okay have to find that out but anyway uh let's not dwell too much on this one we've got more games to talk about uh what we're saying lewis is this a game changer a game this one was an interesting one to think about um you know because i've got this kind of like these lenses that i see games like this that i haven't played through i sort of think about like my friend josh who's like obsessed with zelda and he loves this game to bits and it seems like you know most zelda games tend to be quite uh beloved by the fans they they tend to sort of love most of the entries like the mainline entries and but I, I struggle to think of this as a game changer and the reason is is because we now have something like breath of the wild which um people seem to well, a lot of people seem to say is the the best game they've ever played so it kind of makes games like this sort of fall down the ranks a little in my eyes and feel mm. a little bit less 
um, sort of groundbreaking as far as Zelda. Um, yeah, and I don't think this necessarily did anything ma- like huge for the franchise. Like even something like Wind Waker, the fact it sort of went there with those graphics may make me think it's more of a game changer than this whereas this sort of felt a little bit more sort of even though andrew the the plot that you've described sounds really interesting and intriguing to me um and makes me want to kind of play this now um i'd probably say it wasn't really a game changer um and more sort of by the book zelda so i'd say this is a a strong game okie dokie cool steve what about you yeah, um, I would also call it a strong game. My my, I know a lot of people loved it, but I think my my overriding memory of the release of this game was a uh, not unlike these days uh, a, a a small but noisy minority who were disappointed in the direction that this went. <laughs> uh, uh, even though a lot of people loved it, I feel like it. it I still feel like it, it's not one that stands out in the in the uh, pantheon of Zelda games. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, strong, strong game. Fair, fair enough. Uh, Rich, what about yourself? Um, yeah, I mean, I'd have to say slap bang in the middle game. Can't mm-hmm. say stronger either way, weaker. It's yeah, I'd say a game. Um, the the best thing I can say about this is that I really liked Resident Evil Four. So. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing, crazy. Um, alrighty. Uh, yeah, I will agree, and I will say this is a game as well. Um, I think there's some very valid points raised there that the, a lot of other Zelda games perhaps deserve the title of Game Changer, and this one is almost going back to how things used to be, what people expected of Zelda, so you can't really call it a Game Changer for that reason. Uh, so a game it is. A game it is. Moving on to a game that I know Lewis will have a lot to say about, and this released on PS2. I think Steve will have a lot to say about this one as well, and I'm very curious to know if if uh, Rich has played this one. Hmm. Uh, released on PS2 on October 25th, and this was the game known as Bully, or to us here in the UK, I believe, uh, on the PS2 at least, it was released as Canis Canum Edit. Is that right, Lewis? Yeah. Was it Dog Eat Dog in Latin, I think? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's weird because um, the other day I was talking about this game to my fiance, and she goes, "What's it actually called?" Because you keep flipping between these two names. I think it's for some reason I, I go, I say "bully" one second, then "canis kind of medit." It's like weird kind of muscle memory. So mm-hmm. yeah, I probably yeah I usually call it "bully" these days, but yeah, kind of weird name, "canis kind of medit." Mm. I don't know what I'd think if I if I saw a game now called that. I'd sort of wonder do i want to play this i think i think um even at the time everybody that i knew referred to this game as bully because this this was kind of uh, notorious or, or like because mm. at the time the story was rockstar's releasing a game where you're a bully classic rockstar you know yeah the, the pricks over there are stirring up tro- uh, up trouble again of course the game itself is actually far more complicated than that and, and mm. you're not really I'm sure there's bullying in there, but like it's it's mm. anyway. Yeah, it was und- it was undeserving. Um, it was an undeserved uh, criticism. But everyone I knew referred to it as bully. Um, yeah, it just said Canis Canim edit on the on the box. Yeah, it's yeah. sort of like an unofficial mm. <laughs> sort of unofficial proper name for it. Yeah. yeah, it's like you know Star Star Wing or Lilat Wars. People just say <laughs> Star Fox. You know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, 
but True. yeah this one i think it caused a bit of a moral panic in in uh, the uk yeah. i think there's a few politicians trying to i think actually not even just in the uk i think everywhere that you know people are saying this is a bullying simulator um which uh, you know you can bully people you can prank people you can beat them up shove them in lockers and put them in bins um you can be an absolute little shit in this game but <laughs> the main story is that um is it the protagonist called uh jimmy hopkins who i always thought looked a bit like wayne rooney um his <laughs> the sort of plot is that he he comes to this new school and everyone's just horrible these kids are just horrible there's all these clicks and he essentially rises up and gradually gets more and more i suppose builds up influence um in the school it kind of has that weird um kind of thing that you see in something like mercenaries or these other open world games where you have like um favor with the various groups but in this game it's nerds and jocks it's kind of a bit hmm. bit strange bit kind of you know uh eccentric really um but yeah the kind of main plot is that you're actually trying to stop the bullying um while doing a bit of bullying on the side if you please so <laughs> yeah it's uh yeah it's it, it sounds like um sort of standard rock star fare really it's like rags to riches mm. while winning favors with different factions uh except mm. it's set at a school instead of a you know instead of being a crime uh you know a, a, a crime-ridden city um but i'm just gonna subvert expectations here andrew uh, and tell you that i have actually never played this game Wow. I know. My goodness. Shocking, right? I did not yeah, expect I mean, that from you. Yeah. <laughs> I just never got I around mean, to it. I mean, shock horror, I'm exactly the same. <laughs> and it's a weird one. This game passed me by, but I remember reading about it so much and mm -hmm. going back to the whole moral panic thing. I imagine this is one of the games that in the US, you know, we had Jack Thompson going on about, and over here it's probably Anne Diamond. Um, <laughs> but I don't know why I never played this, because it did seem so fascinating. I mean... I can only think at the time I didn't have the PlayStation 2 anymore. Um, mm. But, yeah, I don't know. It's um, a weird one. I always found it fascinating, but it's a game I'm wanting to go back and actually check out. I've been meaning to, um, um, like many games. It is on um, backwards compatibility with Xbox. Uh, it is. Um, you can get the 360 uh, re-release, so maybe have a look for that. Ah. Awesome. Um, yeah. Cool. Well, have a look. Um, if I think the 360 re-release was called Bully, right? They took the kind of scan yes. it out. Bully oh, nice. Scholarship yep. Edition, I think it's called. That's it. Um, yeah. Uh, have you played this, Andrew? So I've played a bit of it. I haven't. I've never finished it, and I. I don't think I got that far into it. And I, I remember it looking very nice. I was very impressed with how it looked. I liked the relationships that you had with different people and it was very well acted and very cool. Um, and I never got to play this bit, but I know that there was uh, the ability to, because you could have like a girlfriend or whatever, or a yeah. love interest in the game. And it's one of the first games I ever heard about where you're actually able to kiss one of the male characters in the game. Yeah, ah. I think it's quite cool. I think in every click, there's one character who Jimmy can make out with mm. of the, the guys. Um, yeah, and you know they kiss very passionately. Brilliant. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, um, I suppose uh, as I'm the, I've played this so many times, um, I sort of tell you why I love it. 
Um, I it has this, you know, if you like rock stars kind of satire and sort of humor, this is all in there. It's just obviously in the context of a high school. Um, but what I what I think this game does for me that I feel like other rock star games don't do is it has like just su more of a I suppose an atmosphere. Um, the world the world is detailed and enjoyable to run around in like the other Rockstar games. Um, but I think one of the things that really I really liked was in the chapters, um, there's a big emphasis on like the seasons changing. So like there's one mission where you're in Halloween, like trying to pull the big prank. And then there's a bit where you're at Christmas and, um, you know, you can sl slip on ice, you know, those kind of things. Like, mm. And I, I really like that. I think this game has a lot more immersion than you'd think the kind of sort of silly um sort of rock star kind of games would do you know because it, it doesn't take itself seriously but at the same time it's quite a a deep immersive game to me like yeah. it, it, it you know I, I, this is going to be a big statement i'm going to say but it always feels as this game is as immersive to me as something like shenmue is like it has that much yeah. detail <laughs> and you know sort of level of detail and and yeah um but yeah, um, it's a lot of fun. I think that's the main thing to say is just it's a lot of fun just running around, escaping from prefects. Um, my cousin, Scott, who you know I'd visit when I'd see my grandparents, he, he was the one who bought this game. And he we'd just be in tears, like laughing about all these sort of antics you can get up to. Um, one of the things I remember was that we'd... Um, the prefects in the game who function as like the police, like in... GTA are like real tough bastards to take down and they're like mm. tanks and I remember we were like right we're gonna see how many we can take down and I think we got in like 20 in a row um, and we were just like on edge the whole time because if you know if one of them gets you down on the ground you're doing detention you know you have to mow the school field um, <laughs> but yeah um, yeah it's, it's just a, a brilliant game brilliant atmosphere um, great music as well sort of hit or miss for some people i remember playing this a bit at my ps2 at university and I, I sort of like some people be like oh this music's really cool um and then some people just hated it it's quite repetitive um but i mm. yeah it kind of i feel like it matches the sort of mischief you get up to in this game so yeah this is a i really love this game and i recommend all three of you play it i should it really yeah. sounds like i should yeah we'll do yeah yeah Maybe if you you all get it for the Xbox, and maybe this time Rich won't um, return it. So it's currently eleven ninety nine. Apparently, that's what I just looked at. It's all right, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. not too bad. Yeah, not too bad. Do you know what? Not I bad. think I think I might have this on Steam already. I'll have to have a look. Oh yeah, it was it was on PC, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I think I got it for like three pounds on Steam a few years ago, Jeez. and then just never installed or played it. Um, one of the well, one of the fun things about the way our um, our political system works is that there is a record of everything ever said in the commons chambers mm -hmm. and uh, in 2006 uh keith vaz uh former oh, labor God, mp yeah. for leicester east said do you share my concern he asked the commons leader jeff hoon do you share my concern at the decision of rockstar to publish a new game called bully in which players use their on-screen persona to kick and punch other school children Will you ask the Prime Minister to refer this video to the British Board of Film classification? If they don't make any changes, will the government use its powers to ban this video? Wow. <laughs> Good times. True story. I once shared a lift with Keith Faz. Did you really? 
Yeah, it was actually at, actually in my building where I work because huh. um, Labour's on the floor above us. Wow. Yep. Should have asked him about Bully, but I didn't. You should have, yeah. yeah. You should have described yeah, the I... seasons changing to him and all the, uh, <laughs> the gameplay it's mechanics. Deep, man, yeah. <laughs> you, you, might, um, you, might, you might come around on it. To, and, uh, you know. to be fair on him, unlike... Um, a game that we're going to talk about later um, and also something like you know like you hear you obviously you've seen you may have seen them videos when they did the hearing about night trap in america mm-hmm. and they're saying oh it's this game where you you kidnap girls and it, it wasn't at all he is right in the sense that you can kick and punch other kids so yeah he, he wasn't lying <laughs> mm, it's just no. the game the game doesn't encourage you to kick and punch the other kids no. it is on it's your personal responsibility to not kick and punch the other kids. Lewis, I, f- I feel like I might know where you're going to go with this, but is this is this a game changer for you? Ah, well, this is a game changer for me, but if we're talking in general terms, I think this is possibly a very strong game. It is weirdly overlooked in the sort of rock star, I don't know, is it just gameography? Like, mm. I, uh, and, and there's always been this murmur, and I always, I always check every so often because there's always been a murmur that they say, "Well, we're going to do this game." I remember at one point they were saying, "Once we've done Max Payne three, I think was the most recent one, um, we're going to do another. We're going to revisit Bully," and mm. I'm getting sort of the impression at this point that maybe this is one they'll just sort of leave in the past. I don't know, um, but yeah, I don't really. While I have lots of amazing memories playing this, playing it with my cousin, you know, all these great times playing it, I it doesn't it didn't seem like one that really had an impact. You know, Rockstar games seem to always do big numbers. Um, you know, Red Dead Redemption, Grand Theft Auto, um, Rockstar Table Tennis on 360. No, I'm joking, but uh, yeah, this one didn't seem to do those numbers. Um, and yeah it just seems like it kind of like got sort of swept under the rug a little which is a shame because um as you probably heard from me you know it's a really brilliant game really worth playing um so yeah i'm gonna say for me game changer because it kind of made me realize how much i loved sort of these open world games like this um Mm -hmm. particularly ones based in kind of like a more mundane (laughs) setting which probably led me to Shenmue later on when I revisited mm. the Dreamcast. But um, yeah, this um, yeah game game in general terms, in video game history terms, but game changer for me. Fair, that's fair. Um, Rich, what about yourself? I mean, yeah, again, I can only really say game, but mm-hmm. I will try this game out after we uh, finish recording. I will get it and I will uh, keep you updated on that one. Nice. Excellent. Use that refund from Metal Gear Solid 3 wisely. Exactly. Uh, Steve, what about you? Um, I mean, I struggle to say Game Changer. Um, According to Wikipedia, as of the 12th of March 2008, the PlayStation 2 version of Bully had sold 1.5 million copies, um, which Mm. is a lot of copies to a lot of games, but to Rockstar, I'm sure they were disappointed with that. Um, it It does feel overlooked. In the in the Rockstar game or gameography, uh, as you're saying, Lewis. But but the the I take I note Lewis's uh, uh, impassioned description of this game very well articulated as well. And I, I will I I will call it a strong game with also the intention to play this at some point as well. Excellent. Um, yeah, I agree. Strong game, and I have played a bit of it, but I definitely want to go back and and really 
dive into it because it does it does just seem like such a great game and for some reason it just feels like I, I, when we started talking about it and what it is i know it's nothing like persona but it's almost like rockstar's take on that whole social yeah school I, sim <laughs> thing i almost made the same like comparison that. myself <laughs> <laughs> yeah um just for sort of last note on that kind of like as a i was just having a rack in my brains just now as to think you know why why would a rockstar open world rockstar game sort of not do as well and i don't know it like i feel like it was one of them games that kind of got badly um sort of pigeonholed kind of like how uh, andrew would discuss this before people say dino dino crisis is resident evil with dinosaurs I feel like at the time people were saying it's like Grand Theft Auto, but in a school, um, which sounds pretty dodgy, to be honest. But um, yeah, perhaps people just thought, you know, why would I want to play a game where, you know, you can't kill anyone? <laughs> thank God. Um, you know, but, um, you know, people just are, oh, you know, I'll just wait for the next GTA to run people over and, you know, uh, get prostitutes, I suppose. <laughs> Also not in Bully. Also not in Bully, exactly. but you can make out with people, which is the next best thing. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. Um, if you can't get a prostitute, just go and make out with somebody. That is Lewis's sage advice yep. for you. Um, next up, then, let's move on to the next game, which is uh, an Xbox 360 exclusive. Um, November the 17th, this released. And this is the very, very first Gears of War uh steve mm. is this one that you've played yes it is one that i've played um mm. very significant game at the time mm-hmm. um it was not the first game to have cover-based shooting mechanics however it definitely popularized cover-based shooting mechanics i feel like the first game was a game called kill dot switch was the first okay. game to have a button that put you up against the wall and you had to take cover or you would die up until that point shooters were just run around and shoot other stuff before they shoot you um Mm. but gears of war popularized the mechanic of having to take cover and having a run button where you sort of get down low and you're running through a hail of gunfire before you uh, slide up against a wall uh, and 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 which absorbs all the gunfire and it, it feel it felt very manic and cinematic and it felt like a real kind of war zone situation mm. um it was really cool it looked incredible at the mm-hmm. time uh, still it's good now um obviously it's aged but I, I think the art direction and the technology goes a long way to make this game uh look at the time absolutely breathtaking and i think it still somewhat holds up i think some of the decisions in terms of like the character models and stuff are super fucking weird uh, everyone's mm. got limbs like tree trunks and everyone talks like this all the time and it's like <laughs> really in your face it's a real chunky game a really violent chunky loud game i think um cliff blazinski said at the time that he went through a super bad break breakup as he was like directing this game which is why it's beautiful architecture being destroyed he was like i was very angry when i made that game and so it's reflected Mm. in the game all of the male characters are super angry all the time um (laughs) and yeah you can definitely feel that in the game but uh, it it was it was great it was really good um it had co-op as well and i love me some co-op uh, the active reload stuff was cool. Um, yes, every other game, you press a button to reload. In this one, it gives you something to do while the reload 
is happening because if you press another button at the exact right point you reload super fast and then your bullets have extra damage in them which was pretty nice that was very cool i'd forgotten about that actually because the the big thing for gears of war apart from the cover based shooting mechanics was um and i can't remember it has a name but it's the it's the chainsaw gun Mm. and that was like because basically every video every screenshot showing that game had um marcus it's marcus phoenix right Mm -hmm. the main character had him kind of like chainsawing um one of the enemy what was what were the name of the locusts the locusts that's right um and then there was was there another enemy later on in the game it's like the i want to say the krill i'm not sure if I'm thinking of that correctly. The big, the the swarms of things that would come <sighs> at you. I don't know. I that might have. Oh yeah, like the little guys, the little like I think yeah yeah yeah. I can't remember what they're called, but yes, you can yeah. take those out with one like chainsaw, or like if you just hold the chainsaw up, they sort of just run into it. There were yeah, like fodder enemies but... that were dangerous in large numbers. It was like in the. It was later on when you were in the dark sections, and if you were in the dark, they'd swarm at you, and you had oh, to go yeah. into the light. They were like bats, right? Yeah, uh, that's right. And, yeah, and in co-op, your co-op partner had to keep a spotlight on you, and yeah. if you fucked it up, then you just get swarmed by bats. Uh, and exactly. the lighting looked amazing. Yeah, yeah, very very cool. It was cool. It's it's very cool. like like the whole ruinous city sections were great, and there was like. Uh, vehicle sections as well getting from place to place mm-hmm. it felt like you were like a part of a squad and you're actually going to different missions rather than just appearing there later you know it, it felt like you were on a journey with the, with the cast in that game which was really cool um and it made a great use of uh night it looked great at night but mm-hmm. I, I loved the the ruined city and the whole lore behind that game it's like a, so it's like humanity in the future this colonized a planet and it turns out that planet has like is is filled full of this um alien species called uh the locust mm-hmm. is that right yeah. i believe yeah and they kind of come up to the surface when you know humanity's built like a whole civilization on this planet and all of a sudden they just kind of come forth from the earth and take over and your kind of gears of war one is basically humanity's lost pretty much and they've they've bust marcus phoenix out of jail because it's like a last stand kind of situation to try and figure out how to somehow fight them back even though there's only like one or two cities remaining on the whole planet it's just so apocalyptic and cool i really really enjoyed the whole the whole thing was great the um the society is kind of fashy and uh Mm. towards the end of the or to like in a low point of the war when loads of soldiers have been killed they're like we've got some guys in prison still who (laughs) opposed our fascism we can we can use them still like they're proper desperate by the by the by the time they get around to the uh to the protagonist and it is um yeah it, it all feels very it all feels very bleak but in a kind of metal way mm-hmm. yeah um rich is this one you've played i did not actually play the gears of war series until number five <laughs> so i'm okay. actually quite late to the party on this one <laughs> um yeah i mean i enjoyed five what i played of it mm-hmm. um but I really can't speak much more for the series. Um, I mean, I gather it was obviously quite a significant game at the time in terms of the Xbox mm-hmm. crowd being quite a big first-party game. Um, but, yeah, there's really not a lot I can say on this. Um, <laughs> is, I don't know how much has changed over the games. So it, um, but, It's changed quite a lot. Marcus Phoenix mm-hmm. is in 5 as well, isn't he? Have you met him? Uh, yes. So yes, he... 
as somebody who never played the original so so the tone of these games has really changed the the first game was sort of embarrassingly uh testosterone driven yeah, macho yeah very macho and as the games have gone yeah. on they've 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 developed some nuance in their storytelling let's say uh to the point where to me marcus phoenix really stands out as being like a cartoon in an otherwise mm. quite realistic story does he stand out to you that way as well um from what interaction i've had with him yes yeah. i would say so and even yeah again i've got no real prior knowledge um mm. But like, but, everyone, yeah, every, so. every, everyone else has got a normal voice and they're interacting like humans. And then Marcus Phoenix yeah. come, come, comes along and is like, hey, guys, we got to get on this spaceship now. And it <laughs> really doesn't work for me at all. Yeah, no, I've got that impression, definitely. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's a good one. I, mean, I think they, re- they remastered the original for Xbox One um, mm-hmm. before they brought out 4. And I think that's on Game Pass, I believe. So... It's. Uh, I think they put it into the same engine that Four was in, so it's possibly worth okay. going back to and looking at. For okay. sure. Um, oh, all right. So, Lewis, is is this a game that you've played? Uh, unfortunately, not. Um, again, no. it's uh, a case. You know, like I say, I didn't have any like a 360. Uh, I was yeah. going to say or a PS3, but it wasn't on PS3. But um, no. I <laughs> and I actually didn't. I had a few friends who had 360s, but no one who had this. So I never got to see anyone play it. Um, I just have this one memory of my friend telling me he'd played it at someone's house and it was really gory and, you know, you have this gun with a chainsaw and, uh, you know, like he was really excited by all the gore. Um, but I, I may, I would potentially give it a shake these days. Um, I don't want to sort of like sound like a broken record, but again, another one of these games that was sort of like the the start of the, the macho, grey testosterone era of mainstream gaming not necessarily a bad game by any means um from the from what i've heard but um it kind of i suppose it was that kind of uh transition i suppose from the sort of blue skies of you know the gamecube and and uh, Mm. you know that kind of era but Mm. yeah um yeah uh, I'd, i'd possibly give it a go nowadays I think on, on the on the on the art direction, I think it's a fair, it's a fair comment, but I think Gears of War did something quite special with its art direction, and I think other games, in an attempt to ape it, ended up looking mm. very brown and grey and didn't okay, quite yeah. meet the same benchmark. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, definitely yeah. I mean, it, it was the whole apocalypse thing that was the reason it was like that, and yeah. it, it put it across so well. And then the darkness in the later parts of the game kind of accentuated that and made it even more great um but yeah I, I can appreciate what you're saying about it as well um all right so we've got a couple more games to speak about let's let's move on um steve was this a game changer for you uh, i i think it has to be i think it has to be a game changer this this one i very much enjoyed it i'm not like a huge yeah. gears head or anything um i'm not a super fan but i enjoyed it at the time and it definitely had an impact on the industry so yes i, th- I think it was a game changer Cool. Do you remember the? Rich? Do you remember? Oh. Do you remember? Sorry. Do you remember the advert with the uh, with Matt with Mad World? Oh, yes. Remember yeah. that? Yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. this this game was a huge deal at the time. So yeah, it was. That's very true. Very very true. Um, Rich, what do you think? Um, yeah, I say probably a light game um, game changer. I reckon because oh. um, I know it was he was quite big for the um, industry, and I know Steve said about the commercial. I know there was the one with the um, um, was it Tears for Fears, but did, didn't they have one as well with like a veteran being interviewed as well about the war? 
Yeah, yeah, I uh, yeah. I think you're right, actually. Yeah. Yeah, so it's proper like kind of talking head, like World yeah, War Two yeah. documentaries used to get on BBC Two or something, but it was done for that particular campaign. Mm. Yeah, that was quite awesome. Um, but no, I would say I'd say a light game changer based on the fact I've only played the latest game. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, Lewis, what about yourself? Um, yeah, uh, I'm gonna. Yeah, it's got to be a game changer. Um, maybe light game changer. I don't know if the st- the series while everyone I know who's played the newer games seems to really like them. I feel like the series kind of didn't have the staying power that some other sort of series at the time, like uh, I suppose Halo or, or I don't know, something like that had. Um, it mm. seemed to kind of trail off maybe in sort of like the, but in favor, I don't know. But um, yeah, game changer. Cool. Yeah. And I would agree with that for sure. It's uh it's one of the few games that I can claim to have completed 100%. Uh, not 100%, but, you know, I, I actually finished the game, which is uh, apparently a rare thing for me these days. <laughs> um, but I very much enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. I, and I didn't actually finish any of the other games, but I did enjoy two from what I did play of it. But the, the first game was definitely something special, and it started something and influenced a lot of games going forward. So for those reasons, definitely a game changer, I think. Um, which would make that, I believe, our second game changer today, which is cool Hmm. Uh, so let's move on then to the next one which is uh wii sports just throw that out there straight away december the 8th on the wii anybody got any particularly amazing memories of this game Mm, i don't think this game was that is particularly significant is it really i don't think it was that big a deal (laughs) no not really no no there must be one someone's grandparents must have played surely yeah maybe i mean did your granddad play this one lewis um no he didn't no but uh yeah yeah um i do have a story for this one but we'll get to that let's uh let's talk about how actually big this game was Mm -hmm. and how it Mm. was i don't know where 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 does it rank as far as like games that have sold lots of games it must be quite far up there because it was bundled with a lot of these right so just by virtue of that it was only ever it was only a packing, wasn't it? It was never available separately, was it? I know Resort was, I think, later, but... That's true. Was it a packing with every Wii, or was it just yes. certain... Yeah, I do believe so, yeah. Uh, the, the Wii sold, like, a hundred and something million, right? Mm. So that mm. would mean I have, that... I have a figure. Oh, okay. Uh, the Wii, Wii Sports sales in millions of units is 82.9. Wow. wow. That's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> right, rather a lot, isn't it? Mm. Jeez. Compared to the other ones that we were talking about earlier, like the ones that had like 1.5 million sales, like Dead Rising, <laughs> whatever it was, that's uh, it's quite the difference. So, I mean, yeah, this thing was a cultural phenomenon, wasn't it? And this this sold the idea of the Wii in the first place, which was the Wiimote and motion controls. And <laughs> Lewis's granddad was far too cool to play this one because he was a real gamer. <laughs> um, but lots of other uh, people really took to this, including lots of older people and that's how that's why mm. you saw the pictures and videos at the time of, of wees in um care homes and stuff and mm-hmm. all the old folk having a grand old time with it uh it, this lowered um this lowered the barrier to entry for a lot of people for playing games because it felt it seemed a lot more accessible because it was all yeah. motion control my my parents bought a wii Same. and played and played this game mm-hmm. like it was it was insane how big how big this thing was. You, you knew it was going to be something different when 
like my teacher at school said, oh, who's going to get one of them Wii's then? Like, <laughs> you know, teachers aren't cool enough to know about video games. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. I think for me, I mean, it, it's, it's, I think like with the Wii in itself, it's a bit of an interesting legacy. I mean, it feels like the Wii didn't actually really lay down any foundations for what's come since. I mean, we're very much still playing with controllers we're doing vr but i think because the wii was so primitive it's it's hard to pin if the le- if it's really left a legacy and i think it's the same goes for um, wii sports as well i mean yeah it lowered the barrier for other gamers but i don't feel like those people have stuck around like with what say for instance the playstation did in the mid 90s mm, yeah but I just think, I remember at the time when I first got the Wii, and obviously I played Wii Sports for the first time, and it was one of those genuine, like, wow moments. And I'd probably look back and cringe now, but I remember at the time I had my mate round and we just played tennis. And when I first got him to serve the ball, and he just looked at me like, I can't believe I just did that. Like, it was a genuine <laughs> kind of, like, big moment. And, yeah, it was very primitive. You could you could cheat the motions. It wasn't, you know, one-to-one movements, but... I just yeah, I found it was quite special at the time. Definitely, it, it was it was a very uh, it was a surprisingly deep tech demo. Wii Sports. Yeah. I feel like that was what it was. I feel like Wii Sports Resort was the kind of full experience, mm. but this was like the this is what your new Wii can do game. And you know, I remember people sinking hours into this. Like I don't, I can't remember exactly what it is, but I feel like you can go through some kind of championship or something in it. Like, mm. and uh, there's some kind of stats you can build up. Um, I remember people I know just really getting into this. Um, yeah, it, it's just it's just a, an incredibly fun game. That it, what is it? It's uh, boxing, baseball, tennis, golf, ten, and ten pin bowling as well. Ten pin bowling, the best. Which, that was the best one. That was sure. the one that I always thought was way too easy. Like I feel like yeah. I could do, everyone everyone just got a strike every single go. <laughs> yeah. um, Once you figured the uh, the knack for it out, that was it. Then you could just do a strike every time. I think my favourite though, and this is sort of my story, was um, was golf because um, I, I find golf games. I don't actually really enjoy the sport at all. I'd never watch it, but I like the golf games just because they're like just really relaxing and uh, mm. and re- and chilled. Yeah. Um, and this was just a, more of that. And I loved the way it had like these little avatars that, you you know, the Mies. That was another big part of it as well, that kind of yeah, personalization. Sure. Um, and you, you and your little mates, Wees, are just like standing around while the other one takes the shot. Um, and yeah, this was the story. My mate's mum got a nice new beige carpet in her okay. house and I was eating a pot noodle and my mate took a swing <laughs> and knocked it out of my hand. <laughs> and I don't think she ever forgave me for that. And it always gets referenced, you know, the pot noodle incident. But um, yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, golf was still good, despite that uh, terrifying memory of my mate's mum being angry. Um, and yeah, it was the, the thing is nowadays, like the 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 controls aren't really as accurate as I think we all remember them to be. They're a little bit sort of squiffy. I don't know. I don't know what you guys they think. They are. They are. They are squiffy for sure. I think, like Rich put it best. You know, it, it was prim. It was primitive 
we didn't we didn't know that at the time um but yeah it's it's not great i mean we motion plus was a thing where they tried to improve that right yeah. yeah so you know nintendo themselves knew that there was room for improvement but it was so it was so unlike any anything else um that it really it really took off for a lot of people and i definitely cheated the motion controls like uh, all the marketing was families stood up having a great time and pretending <laughs> to swing baseball bats yeah. whereas i would lie back in my chair like just moving my wrists to do the motions mm-hmm. <laughs> because yeah. i was a fucking killjoy apparently <laughs> i remember doing that with we fit just from my sister's house with the the jogging exercise and just literally just moving the way mo- like because i think you could use that or the balance board and i just li- you could literally just cheat it it was just minimum effort <laughs> same result perfect it's not really the point of we fit though is it like you've just no just not at all no bypassing it completely <laughs> fair enough um they did do like that so you had like you said we sports resorts and then when we you came out they did we sports club which was quite good because by that point it was one-to-one motion because they had mm. the uh we motion plus thing inside all of the Wiimotes by that point and yeah. they used the gamepad in the golf game so you put the gamepad on the floor and it would show the golf ball in front of you and then you would use the Wiimote oh, as yeah. a golf club and swing okay. it and then you'd, so it was really good it was it was nice. I really enjoyed that it was very very good nice so yeah a bit of a cultural phenomenon your mum might have played this um <laughs> what do we think in terms of being a game changer though did it change the landscape of gaming forever uh I, I don't know if I can just jump in here. I've got quite a few sure. thoughts on this. Um, I personally think it's a game changer for a few reasons. Um, obviously, the success of the Wii um, is one of the reasons. Um, this mm-hmm. was essential. I don't think if I don't think it, I think if the Wii had um, Wii Sports, it probably would have been fairly successful because it was cheaper. You know, um, you know, it could have been more of a. I, I suppose the bud. I suppose it was in a way that kind of budget console compared to the 360 and PS3, um, which made it easy for families to just buy. That's why they were probably so popular. That was part of it. And then um, I feel like this was another, this was like the turning point for games as far as them becoming more mainstream in general and sort of more casual, I suppose. Um, And then the other thing is this started a motion craze of this generation um, which was a thing that a lot of the companies hopped on. 360 um, had the Connect, uh, PS3 with uh, Motion Plus, and they ran it into the ground, and now it is pretty much dead. But we still mm. see kind of like the part of it in the uh, the PS Move that is still used with PSVR. Mm. So it, I guess it mm-hmm. kind of had a little bit of staying power. But yeah, it was one of those flash in the pan kind of crazes that the game industry sort of grabbed onto and drove into the ground and i'm kind of not sure if there was ever a game that really was as good as we sports that sort of jumped on that craze i don't know if you guys agree with that resident evil 4 on the wii is the best version because of the motion controls okay Mm. (laughs) it's great it's really good it's really good to play on the wii uh, but that's sort of a cheat answer. That doesn't really count, does it? <laughs> I think um, something to be said for No More Heroes as well. I mean, I loved swinging the um, the laser sword, like, mm-hmm. using the Wiimote. I mean, there's something, since I've been playing on the Switch, it feels like there's something so massive missing from that game. Yeah, yeah. That's weird because the Switch does have motion controls as well. I mean, the, the Joy-Cons are motion controllers, technically, right? Mm. So 
Did they Indeed. know they are? Oh, yeah, no. Yeah, they are. They are. Uh, it, it is. It is strange. And there's a few games on the Wii, uh, on the Switch rather, that don't take advantage of motion controls when they could. Whenever there's a first-person shooter on the Switch that doesn't have gyro aiming, I'm always like, what are you doing? Why? Yeah. Why? Indeed. Uh, but yeah, it, it's it's. We still have the remnants of the motion control craze. Um, I was worried that gaming was going to go in that direction, and I didn't want it to. I liked mm. I liked my controller, so I'm relieved that it didn't go in that direction. But I'm glad that we still have something of it. I, I'm a fan of gyro aiming. I like dialing in my my shots for precision with uh, you know by tilt by tilting the controller. Mm. Um, but it, it is tough when you're trying to define if it's a game changer or not because the legacy, as Rich was saying, is not really there. It's kind of been and gone now. Um, but I, I, I think despite that, I think it, I think it is still a game changer because even if the legacy is gone and it's all done, the, 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 the change that it did cause at the time and for the period that those changes lasted, it, it has to be a game changer. Fair enough. Okay, cool. Rich, what would you say in that case? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I would say, I would say game changer for you know, the reasons stated. Um, again, yeah, it was kind of a flash in the pan, but at the time it was just monumental. And I think in terms of obviously Nintendo as well, I mean, that was quite huge for them with the somewhat more lukewarm reception, I guess, to the N64 on the GameCube. And they just hit big with that. And, you know, the industry needs a Nintendo. And I'm not going to say they wouldn't have been around if the Wii wasn't massive, but it definitely brought them back to prominence again um so yeah i'd would, I would say a light game changer because yeah the legacy is not there but at the time it was just huge that's fair enough yeah i think i agree with that as well so uh a game changer it is and uh let's swiftly move on then to the next game um which I'm not sure what if we've all played it. That's the, that's the first question. Uh, it is Shadow of the Colossus, released on the PS2 on February the 17th. Rich, I'll come to you first. Have you played this game? No. No. <laughs> Any memories of it, or shall I just move on? I remember it came out. Um, it looked it looked nice from the footage I saw. Do you but... have Do you have any memories of a time where you didn't buy it? Um, <laughs> I don't remember what game, what other game I bought that day. Um, so <laughs> I'm sure there was something I bought, but yeah, it wasn't Shadow, I'm afraid. Okay, damn. Okay. All right. Uh, Steve, what about yourself? Yes, I played this lots. This is great. This game is brilliant. Um, it's from the... Are they just called Team Ico? Yeah, they are. Yeah. Yes. From the Ico people, the uh, the ones who went on to make The Last Guardian eventually. Um, mm. Brilliant game. Uh, absolutely stunning on the PS2 absolutely just gorgeous jaw-droppingly nice to look at um and it's basically a game full of boss fights ordinarily i don't like boss fights but these ones are special because they are colossal in size as per the title uh you have to climb up them uh and find their weak spots you are a tiny little human person um and you have to you have to climb up them and defeat them against the odds because they're chuffing massive uh, and it just felt so epic and amazing and the soundtrack still to this day that soundtrack is uh really very good indeed i still listen to it occasionally because it is it, it is an incredible soundtrack yeah it, it, it you also you ride a horse between boss fights you got to find the colossus is 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 mm-hmm. by uh holding your sword up and following the reflection and you ride around in this really sort of bleak 
uh, kind of uh, it's kind of hard, hard to describe it. It's like desolate, desolate, isn't it? It's yeah. like a desolate place with remnants of a society that has long since crumbled. And like any frame of this game could be like an album cover or something. It just <laughs> it it looks it looks so so nice. Yeah, and uh, I love it. Is most excellent. Absolutely, I think the exploration between the bosses was just as good sometimes. And definitely, you got yeah. to was it the little lizards that you could find as you were going around and. Little, little secret areas and things that you could look for but the story too like it was there were no words i believe well there were words but they were not english and mm-hmm. very few and far between i don't think the main character really spoke and it's just that it was it like uh, a princess of some kind had been cursed and was dead or on the on the de- you know the death's door doorbell oh, what the hell am i talking about it was on <laughs> uh it was on the verge of death yes and yes. you kind of brought them to this temple in order to try and revive them and the only way to mm. do that is to defeat the the colossi um which i think there's like 16 of them i believe something like that and they all have like a, a statue representing them in the temple and as you take them down um the kind of the statues move away but i mean lewis is this is this one that you've played as well um this is one i unfortunately uh didn't play i'm very aware of it um yeah, <laughs> I feel like how Rich you you ask Rich if he played it. Now it's oh, my one is did my granddad play it? And <laughs> seeing as he was a big fan of Ico, that was like a game he really like loved. I remember him showing it to me when it when it came out. Um, I kind of wonder. I, I'm wondering if he played this because I think he played Last Guardian as well. Um, okay. But I don't know if he played this. Um, I don't remember it at all. But I had friends later down the line um, who I met at uni. I've got one particular friend who like really loves this. Um, and I know for sure that this game was pushing the PS2 to its absolute limit. And, you know, mm-hmm. what a spectacle it is. Um, and coincidentally, I purchased this today. I, I ordered the, uh, you know, the, the, the double pack, the PS3 one. Oh, okay. off on ebay today because i knew we were going to be talking about it and i just was reminded that i need to pick that up because i've always i've always been intending to get it um mm. so yeah i will uh suppose let Very you guys nice. know retroactively maybe in the discord <laughs> chat i can tell you what i thought of it <laughs> for sure yeah the, the double pack on the ps3 was great as well but then Bluepoint went ahead and redid the whole game for Shadow of the Colossus on the PS4, and that's also very, very good. Is that the one uh, PS? Is that PS now, or can you just get it normally? You can just get it normally. Ah, yeah. cool. Okay. Yeah. So it's uh, that's the I think that's the game they did before Dark Souls. Uh, sorry, it Demon is. Souls. It is. Yeah. Um. So and it's a really, really good like remake of it as well. Like it looks beautiful, and they've really kept to the uh, to what made the original great. Uh, so I'm looking forward to getting more into that because I haven't finished that one. But the PS3 uh, remaster, HD remaster, is very, very good as well. It's so kind, yeah, kind and of, it has Ico. It's kind of funny that you mentioned that it's on PS4 because I was wondering why the PS3 version had dropped significantly in price. I was like, uh-huh. this is cheaper than I remember. So yeah, that <laughs> yeah, must the, explain it. The Blue Point remake is gorgeous, but there is something to playing the original. There's something... Yeah. Uh, it being in a lower fidelity kind of feels right. Okay. So yeah, definitely still worth playing that old version. Cool. Uh, all right, so thinking about Game Changer, I mean... It's one of these weird ones, to me anyway, it's a, it's a bit of a cult classic. I mean, it's a very big cult classic because so many people talk about it and have a lot of reverence for it. Uh, I'm just wondering, is, is it a game changer though? Like you've, you've got the, the grip mechanics, I guess, and you've got the giant 
uh, enemies that you have to face and that's become more of a thing these days in terms of gaming you've got a lot of these big bosses that are the center of the game yeah. Yeah. I mean, Steve, would you say this is a game changer? There is definitely an argument for calling it a game changer. I would call it a game changer, mm. um, but I feel like... Uh, hmm, I feel like others wouldn't, but I definitely would for the reasons that you've said. I think giant bosses that you climb on has not become a huge thing that's in every game or anything. Like, I mean, Breath of the Wild, um, are they called Guardians? The, the big structures that you uh, crawl around and run around inside of? Yes. I feel like they wouldn't have existed without 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 this game. So okay. yeah, I'm I'm going to say game changer. Fair enough. Uh, Rich, what about you? I could only really say a game. I yeah. Again, like many sure. games I haven't played, I can't really go to you know either extreme. So yeah, it's a game for me. And uh, maybe one day I'll play it. It's a shame it's a a PlayStation exclusive because I would happily I play think, this on Xbox. I think this game might make you cry, Rich. Mm. I'm I think sure it's will. one of those games. I'm sure it will. I think it's one of those, yeah. So you, it's on PS Now. You should play it at some point. Yeah. yeah. Find a way to play it on PS Now. Um, Lewis, what about you? What would you say for this one? Yeah, this is a bit of a weird one because um, I kind of think of it as one of these, I say this kind of quote-unquote sort of deep game, you know, one of these games that, you know, was a little bit more... I suppose introspective you know it kind of make, all of these games that makes you think you know kind of like ico as well mm-hmm. um and i feel like mm, i wanted to say maybe a light game changer because i feel that if you look at like i say deep games or st- very story narrative driven games now i can imagine that a lot of these developers were influenced heavily by games like this um, and the kind of like the art style and and the world, you know, that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, I, I think maybe maybe not so much a game changer when it was released, but perhaps re- you know, in retrospect, it mm. perhaps was a little bit more of a game changer than we we give it credit for, due to kind of games now that are very popular that you know uh, sort of almost follow in the footsteps of this. Yeah, I think. Game changer, just about like you say, it's uh, it's a weird one. It's definitely a weird one, but I think it was. I think it's influenced things going forward, and people reference it quite often in terms of inspirations for games and in terms of uh, the mechanics that it brought to gaming. So yeah, I think it was. I think it was a game changer, just a quiet one, perhaps. Yeah. Hmm. Um, hmm. All right, our last game that we're going to discuss and kind of rate or slate, uh, as it were, is Tomb Raider Legend which released on PC, PS2, Xbox, and Xbox 360 on April the 7th. Uh, so this is the first reboot of the series after Core Designs had it taken away from them. This is Crystal Dynamics, who now have the Tomb Raider franchise, and this is their first throw of the dice for it. Uh, did anybody play Tomb Raider Legend? New. No, I dropped off after the initial trilogy on the PlayStation 1, so okay. I never went back to these games. I don't know, it was kind of the more hit and miss era is i think it was quite divisive wasn't it yeah i mean maybe not so much as angel of darkness which was core design's <laughs> own attempt to revitalize tomb raider i think maybe crystal dynamics hit it a bit hit it a bit, bit out um uh, trying to think of the word for it now uh, i think crystal dynamics hit it on the head a bit more uh that that makes it sound bad uh steve i will rescue you don't worry thanks, um thanks. The, yeah they kind of so I don't I didn't hate this game but I don't know it felt kind of safe 
Mm. That makes sense. It felt really, really safe. I think after um, I don't remember what the shit one was called. Now you just said the name Angel of it. Of Darkness. Angel of Darkness. After the complete whiff that was Angel <laughs> of Darkness, they definitely went a bit safe with this, and it felt kind of really modern. Uh, it felt like they were bringing Tomb Raider up to modern spec, and I didn't hate it, but it, it just felt like the Tomb Raider um, kind of uh, format it started to wear a bit thin for me and with this sort of modern coat of paint or what was modern at the time i don't know it all felt a little bit thin for me it felt a little bit flimsy and it didn't have that sort of tomb raider magic that the previous games had uh army of darkness uh army of darkness angel of darkness of course That's not dead. included in that that would <laughs> be interesting that one was trash yeah as a trash game oh i mean that there's an argument to be had about that it just start off fairly well um and if there is no time, argument it is trash fine fair enough uh lewis <laughs> is this one you've played um no i'm gonna sound like an absolute normie um i i too at this point was of that mindset that i think a lot of people probably were uh, unless I, you know you were a diehard where you just kind of thought that the 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 franchise had sort of outstayed its welcome a little bit mm. um, and kind of needed a bit of a like I know this was sort of to, supposed to be like the new coat of paint but I think maybe it was just a little bit too early for everyone to you know I don't know yeah like see I, again wanna I want to say I watched my granddad play this one um but it, he may have played another one. I don't know. Um, I remember re- around the time he was sort of playing Oblivion. He, I remember him playing a Tomb Raider game. So it was probably this one. And mm. it just seemed a little bit kind of like, uh, was I think Steve said, um, uh, not, yeah. Um, sorry, I've gone blank there. Uh, sorry. Seemed a bit <laughs> safe. Yeah. 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 I can see that. I I quite enjoyed it at the time. I thought it was a nice, a nice Tomb Raider game. I mean, nice is probably the right word for it, but it it was it was good. They they got Keely Hawes in to do the voice, and she was great in it. Mm-hmm. And they got like some proper characterization in there. Like she had her sidekick, and um, you know they would have some proper like witty banter between each other. And you had some cool physics based puzzles. I remember that a lot of ball rolling was happening in that. But oh god, yeah. It was it was not. It was like it just felt nice to play. And it was almost like coming home to Tomb Raider again. And they then iterated it in the next two games because they did Anniversary, which was like a remake of the original Tomb Raider. And then they did Underworld. But this one felt like they were like, okay, we need to go in a different direction, but we don't want to take it too far. Because they went, you know, when they properly did, uh, uh, you know, a complete reboot of the series with the Tomb Raider game that came out um, on the PS4 and the Xbox One. That was a huge difference, but this, yeah, it did feel like it was just kind of moving Tomb Raider on slightly, making it a little bit more modern, making some more physics puzzles. I mean, the platforming didn't feel as static, and because you know, in the original trilogy and those, you had to kind of line yourself up almost pixel yeah, it was perfect, like grid based, yeah. yeah, wasn't it? Yeah. Which they didn't have okay. in in these ones. The, the the movement was much better, I think. So there was a lot to like about it. I think it's just maybe not to everybody's cup of tea, and and like you like you guys said, perhaps it was too early they should have left it a little bit longer before bringing lara croft back but i still liked it i i think i think it was good and maybe we wouldn't have the tomb raider that we have today perhaps without these games um so i will say uh, to me at that time unless you could lock the butler in the freezer like i remembered <laughs> i wasn't interested <laughs> right which i don't think you could do so there you go <laughs> yeah 
I think you, I don't know if you could in Underworld because I know you went back to the mansion in Underworld, but I can't recall if you could lock the butler away. That's that, maybe something we should uh, we should look into in future. Yeah, that poor but, butler. <laughs> poor butler. Poor old Winston. Yeah. Um, but uh, thinking about it, then I, I, it doesn't sound like a game changer. Is it a game, or are we are we going to label it shit? It wasn't shit. But okay. it's certainly not a game changer. So it is. It is a game. I, I'm not going to say weak game, but it's. It was a game. It's a game. Uh, Rich, are you applying your usual logic to this one? Um, yep. Yeah, very middle of the road game for me. Um, yeah. I can't say weak. Can't say strong. But yeah. So not played it. Not the best Tomb Raider apparently. So yeah, it's a game for me. Fair enough. And Lewis, what about yourself? Yeah. Same here. Yeah. Just just a game. Slap bang in the middle. Yeah, I think that's where we're going to land on that one. Fair enough, that's fine. I think we've had four four game changers this time around, which is pretty good. So that's half of the games. Wow. So 2006 wasn't all that bad, really. Seems all right. Uh, there were more games, of course, though. Uh, Lewis, I know there was there were three games that we haven't mentioned that you kind of wanted to bring up. Uh, did you want to take us through those briefly? Yeah, um, so speaking of franchises that had ran their course, we have Tony Hawk's Project 8, um mm-hmm. which weirdly was released on sixth generation and seventh gen systems but they were like different versions um the ps2 version is actually what i played at the time it was all right it you know it was a pretty sort of stripped back experience compared to the next gen one um but weirdly i think it was the one that sold the most despite the fact it was like the inferior version um huh. and also, I think I read somewhere that the PS2 version was the one that had like a collector's edition. I think it came with a deck, a skateboard deck, um, but the newer gen version didn't, which is strange. Um, but yeah, it was cool. Had a great soundtrack, um, at, which is an important thing for these games. Um, but the seventh gen version, I think, is is pretty good. I think if we're to maybe go back with the new sort of reboot of Tony Hawk and think, right, how do we make an open world game? I think this is the one they should look back to uh, the most. Um, you know, it's colorful, it's exciting and cool. You know, the the sort of transitions between areas when you're, roam- you're, you're going around, you start off in like one area, which would probably be the equivalent of a, a level in a standard Tony Hawk game. And then they open up and you can just cruise between them um, there's no kind of like fake corridor things like they had in american wasteland which made the game seem like it was open world but it was actually just a mm-hmm. way to mask the loading screens mm-hmm. um, but yeah you could skate between the areas seamlessly add kind of a cool thing where like as you did more goals you kind of moved up these rankings and then you had to be in you have to get to like the the eighth rank to be in Tony Hawk's Project Eight. That's where the name comes from. Um, okay. It's pretty cool. I wouldn't really recommend it nowadays over the new Tony Hawk's Pro Skater One and Two remakes that came out. And the reason is, after playing them, I went and had a look back at this um, not too long ago, and I d- I think it's not too bad on 360, but on PS3, the frame rate is astonishingly awful. It's so noticeable i don't think i ever noticed it at the time but once you've played the new tony hawk game which is buttery smooth this one just doesn't look as nice but it's worth a go maybe play the 360 version though because i hear that is better cool cool uh what was the next game that you wanted to chat about 
this one's kind of an oddity. This is Rule of Rose, which was mm-hmm. um, a pretty cool, unique sort of survival horror game, which the PS2 had a lot of. Um, this yeah. one's quite interesting. It had kind of a, a setting. It was a set in England, um, and it's sort of uh, psychological horror kind of style scares. Um, and this kind of takes us back to Bully in a way, because this was another one that was subject to a moral panic. Although unlike Bully, where the politician who was sort of going against it um, actually was correct and said exactly what was happening in the game, this one was um, the opposite. The um, a EU minister called Franco Fr- Fr- Fratti. Um, he basically said it was this game that depicted children being buried alive and all horrible stuff to do with children um and it wasn't it was um not any of that none of the stuff you can look it up that he said about this game was actually in it at all um (laughs) the enemies are kids um and they're kind of like this you get the main character gets trapped in this world um and these kids have established like rule in the world it's kind of like lord of the flies and they're really creepy. I mean, anyone who watches horror knows how creepy kids can be when they're yeah. antagonists in films. <laughs> so these are really creepy, um, like, enemies in this game. Um, and unfortunately, it is let down by really crap uh, combat controls. Um, people, if you ever watch, like, gameplay footage, um, people who play it, you can just hear them losing the will when they're in boss fights. It's awful. Um, but it's kind of like got that sort of Silent Hill combat. And um, yeah, it's cool. It's it's another one of just another one of those really interesting PS2 era horror games. Unfortunately, though, because it was actually pulled from shelves in the UK, uh, it is really expensive to get a hold of. But... Mm. Um, just get some dodgy guy on eBay to sell you a PS2 memory card with free McBoot and then burn yourself a copy and then you can play it on your PS2 or emulate it. It's probably worth a look. I recommend it. Cool. Cool. Mm. Yeah. It always looks interesting. I've seen copies of it on eBay and like genuine copies go for well over 100 quid. Yeah. If wow. not more than that even. So just madness. Um, then the third game is one that is almost the reason that you're on the 2006 episode, kind of, because it's a it's a port of two of the best Dreamcast games onto the PSP. Uh, <laughs> one of these is your favourite Dreamcast game, and that's the Power Stone Collection. That yeah. came out this year as well. Uh, obviously, we, we kind of discussed it a little bit at the start. It's, you know, you could say it was Capcom's Super Smash Brothers, you know, pick up weapons, beat the crap out of each other. Lots of fun. Um, and had some kind of cool uh, changes in the sense that the Power Stone 2 characters were added to Power Stone 1. Um, and then there were some other extras. Um, the only thing I think that lets this one down is you. The, I think the problem here is that with the Dreamcast, you've got one copy, four controllers, four people can play. Whereas this, you needed like... <laughs> you needed three other friends who all needed a, co- a copy and a PSP and you had to tell yeah. them why this game's worth purchasing in the first place <laughs> um, and yeah so but but it's still a great arcade mode if you just want to play it by yourself I do believe you can um, you can sorry I know you 
can. You can get it on the PS Vita and yeah. say you had a few mates with PS Vitas um, and it's quite a cheap download off the PS Store, I believe now. So you could probably all just get it and I think you can do local multiplayer on your PS Vitas. Oh, cool. So um, yeah, it's Power Stone. It's brilliant. Uh, but maybe if you want that four-player action easily accessible, get it on the Dreamcast. Hmm. Very true. Very, very strange to me that the only other place those games were released were on Sony handhelds. Very, yeah. very strange. Yeah, definitely. Very Shame. And yeah. kind of tragic. Yeah. yeah, it just makes me want them to port it to the Switch or something. Absolutely. Give it online. Uh, that's exactly where yeah. it should be. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Still waiting on that. And there, there's there's rumours that Capcom are doing something Power Stone related. So. Oh yeah, yeah. We will have to find out. But yeah, it is good if you can get it on the Vita. I think it's eight quid um, on the PS Store, I believe. Yeah, that's so if not you're bad. able to grab it, then go for it. It's it's well worth a, it's well worth a go. I'm not sure if it plays on PS TV or not, but that would basically um, then be the next best way to play it on I the TV. It if does, you could do yeah. That, which is pretty cool. Uh, all right, next then we have our quiz. So I have some stats because n- nearly every time we do this, I forget how many Rich has got right and how many of the guests <laughs> have won. Uh, so I have stats. So Rich, currently you have won four and the guests have won five. So you're behind by one. Damn. Okay. That's what to so do. If you can win this time, if you can get it over on Lewis you will draw level with the guests and you may still be in with a chance of winning. Perfect. So no pressure or anything. That's all right. Yeah. Um, all right. So how this works, it is 2006 or 2016. And I'm going to read some game titles out. And all you need to do is tell me whether or not they released in 2006 or 2016. Uh, I'm going to go Rich Lewis, Rich Lewis, Rich Lewis. Um, so you can have three questions each. And if we're still tied at the end, we do have a tiebreaker. Um, are we ready? Yes. Ready? Awesome. Okay. Rich, first as always, and your game to tell me whether it was 2006 or 2016 is Disgaea PC. (laughs) It sounds like a JRPG. Um, I'm going to say 2006. 2006. Um, Lewis, do you know what year this released? Uh, I know the franchise, yeah, uh, but Disgaea PC, mm-hmm. that's just uh, oddly specific. Um, it is. Yeah, uh, hmm. I think I'm going to go the same, 2006. Steve, any guesses? Disgaea PC, referring to this being on the personal computer, I assume. Indeed. I'm going to say 2016. Oh, yeah. okay. And in this case... No points because Steve would have been right. It was yes. 2016. Support uh. of Disgaea One, which was Hour of Darkness, uh, got ported to the PC in 2016. There you go, Lewis. Okay. Your question is next. Okay. And uh, the game that you need to, to tell me the year for is The Lord of the Rings: The Battle for Middle Earth Two. Oof. Uh, 2006. Okay. Rich, what would you say? To me, it has to be 2006. It can't be that far away from the films. I think it would have been around that time. Yeah, I mean, we have had film, we have had games of the Lord of the Rings franchise much further on. But uh, Steve, yeah. what what would you go for? Uh, Rich is right. That's 2006. That one. 
Uh, you're both right, in fact. In fact, yes, you all are right. It was Perfect. 2006 on the PC and 360. So there you go. It was uh, a good game, too. Yeah. Is it a, a strategy game? Is that right? RTS? Uh, but yes, yes, it was, yeah. yeah. Uh, Rich, your next game is Infra. I-N-F-R-A, Infra. Um, hmm. I'm 2016. Lewis? You really find some obscure games, Andrew. <laughs> um, oof. Uh, I'm going to go the same, 2016. What do you think, Steve? Well, I've got no idea, but the chaps have both gone for 2016, so in for a penny, in for a pound, I'll say the same. <laughs> and you would all be right, it released on PC in 2016, it was the result of an Indiegogo campaign, yeah. uh, and it's one that I've actually always wanted to play, it's very strange, uh, but I would like to play it, so go look it up. Um, but yeah, 2016, so that is one point each so far. Uh, cool. Lewis, your next title is Night Cry. 2016 because i backed the kickstarter oh <laughs> sorry um, I, I gave that away yeah just a bit. <laughs> two points each then yeah. <laughs> uh yeah I, there's no point in me even asking yes it was 2016 it was a kickstarter a game went to pc it later had a, a vita port uh but originally it was on the pc in 2016 it was, it was crap as well oh was it <laughs> yeah because i love clock tower if anyone's not played it oh god yeah clock tower on That's super famicom was. yeah incredible this was pff, yeah i think um, I, I i actually got delivered the code in an email and i've never played it i refuse <laughs> wow fair enough fair enough um all right moving on rich uh see if you can draw level again uh your game is super monkey ball adventure um I do want to say that would be 2006, I do believe. Okay. Lewis, what would you say? Ooh, this is a tricky one because I know 2006 seems like the time Super Monkey Ball was still uh, popping. Uh, however, I know they did try and reboot it to mixed results, but I don't think this is the rubbish one that was on the iPhone. I'm going to go 2006 as well. Uh, what about you, Steve? Uh, that sounds like 2006 to me as well, yeah. Yeah, you're alright. GameCube, PS2 and PSP. Uh, I thought I'd get a Sega game in there somewhere. Uh, we are on Radio <laughs> Sega after all. <laughs> Just have to get something Sega in there. Uh, lovely, so there you go. You've drawn level. Lewis, if you get this one right, you win. If you don't, then it goes to a tiebreaker. I shouldn't have given away Night Cry. I, I, I'm genuinely <laughs> interested in what Rich would have picked if I had have given it away. <laughs> Night Cry is such a generic title as well. Yeah, that would yeah. have been really hard. Yeah. yeah, It's all right. I mean, even if Rich got it right, he wouldn't have got a point for it because it was your question. So True. Just asking for just for the sake of it. But um, Lewis, your question is Lost Magic. And that's all one word, Lost Magic. Mm, sounds like a really sort of bargain bin pc rpg that people didn't play instead of oblivion um <laughs> but yeah but then again it could be just like some sort of steam shovelware um uh, i'm gonna go 2000 and 
16. There we go. Rich, what would you say? Um, I would probably say 2016, I think. Yeah. Steve? I have never heard of it. I'm going to just be contrarian and say 2006. Oh, being contrarian pays off sometimes. It was 2006 on the DS. Wow. Okay. So that means that Rich and Lewis, you have equal points, which means we do go to the tiebreaker. Okay. Uh, so if the tiebreaker is just whoever shouts the answer at me first, who, who gets it? <laughs> so uh, get ready. It's 2006 or 2016. Let me know which year this one released. And the game is Final Fight Streetwise. Six. Was that you, Lewis? Yep. You are correct. PS2 and oh, Xbox man. 2006. Nice work. That's like sort of like ah. the weird. They tried to sort of like do it sort of a GTA final fight or something. I feel. Okay. I feel like. Yeah, uh, there's a good. Uh, I think I feel like there's a good video by Stop Skeletons from Fighting. It's a weird game. Have to give it a look. Have to give it a look. But um, Lewis, congratulations. That means you've won. Uh, commiserations to Rich because that means Damn. now four to you and six to the guests. So. Kind of running away with it at this point, that's, Rich. That's all your fault as well, Rich. There was definitely never a time where I had to stand in for you and I lost both times. <laughs> definitely that not. definitely never happened. That never happened. That's, no. That's all on you. <laughs> um, there is a chance you could, if you get two more, if you get the next two right, you can draw level and I'll still give you a prize. So you just have to do better next time. Um, I'm, just, I'm, I'm dreadful. I'm as bad at quizzes as I am playing games. Um, yeah. Cool. Uh, I think I think he's genuinely upset about this. Okay, <laughs> we'll move on. We'll move on swiftly. Steve, we've, you've got your own question, as oh. ever. Um, mm-hmm. So the last three times we've done this, you've got mm-hmm. them right every time. Mm-hmm. So let's see if you can get this one right as well. Okay, Steve, your question: 2006 or 2016 is American Dragon Jake Long Attack of Dark Dragon, Attack of the Dark... I'll start that again, sorry. It's American <laughs> Dragon, Jake Long, Attack of the Dark Dragon. Nice long title for you there. Wow. What? Yeah. yeah. If it makes it easier, it's American Dragon, colon, Jake Long, dash, Attack of the Dark Dragon. It does not, but thank you for the clarification. You're All welcome. the same. I don't know what the hell that is. I, I, that's such a ridiculous title mm-hmm. that I feel like... I feel like had it come out uh, more recently, I'd, I would have heard of that. So I'm going to say 2006. You'd be right. It was 2006 on the Nintendo DS. It's based on yeah. a Disney ad- a Disney animated series, which I've never Is heard of. Is it really? Yeah. Bloody hell. That can't have lasted very long because that, that's such an absurd title people would have taken the piss out of that in 2016 on twitter which is, yeah which is why we've never heard of it very so, true so is the series what just american dragon that... i think yeah i think it was american dragon jake long and then i think the subtitle was oh, attack I of see. the dark dragon uh, okay so there you go uh lovely well that means you've got four right two more shows to go this season steve so you may well yet get all six correct which would Ooh, be not bad quite the feat whenever i'm not standing in for rich i do pretty well i yeah. do and when you've just yeah. got one question to answer as well <laughs> as opposed mm. to three but there we go not trying to take away your victory or anything this <laughs> no, no it's fine you ruined that for me but it's fine <laughs> um all righty well we have come to the end 
And um, before we get going and leave everybody for the evening or the morning or whatever time of day they happen to be listening to this, um, we'll go around and uh, you can let us know where we can find you. Lewis, uh, if people want to find you online, where can they find you? Um, yes, you can find me out on Twitter at LewisJFC. That's L-E-W-I-S. Um, you can also read articles that I write about various uh, sort of geek gubbins on Altmag, which is altmaguk.net, spelled A-L-T. Um, and I also do stuff with the Dreamcast Junkyard. I'm on the Dream Pod. Um, so www.dreamcastjunkyard, thedreamcastjunkyard.co.uk. Mm-hmm. Check the stuff we do there. Definitely. Very good it is too, and uh, it's at the DC Junkyard, and you run the Twitter along with Mike. So yes. some very good Dreamcast memes to be had there as well. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> very, very good. Um, Steve, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at Steve Jack, and I also hang around with those guys over at the Crossplayers as well. Yes, indeed, at the Crossplayers on Twitter. Uh, Rich, what about yourself? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Dreamcast Barber and also at Wolfie Pod as well. Excellent. Uh, you can find me at Oddmint84. You can find all of us at Dreamcast Years. And of course, go to dreamcastyears.co.uk where you can find out more about Dreamcast Year 1, Dreamcast Year 2, which are the books that we do. Uh, and also you can find every episode of the pod so far if you want to listen to all those. Uh, we'll have some reruns of classic episodes on Radio Sega, of course. So tune in Mondays at 8pm for all of that and we'll release all of our new episodes there first and the next episode we'll be doing is our game of the year edition where myself rich and steve will take one game uh, or some one lucky person gets two games and pitch it for one minute uh, and then we'll put it out to a vote to decide what was the actual game of the year for 2006 according to us so that's about all we've got time for uh, thank you so much uh, apologies that it's probably quite a long one but there was just so much to talk about uh, I think you'll agree there's just so many good games this year mm. and uh, it's been great to be here on Radio Sega and if you're listening to us elsewhere it's been lovely to keep you company for just a little while so thank you very much for listening and uh, take care and stay safe everybody thanks everyone thank you bye bye